Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Optive Theology Podcast. My name is Andy Schmidt, and I'm here with Pastor Nick Gibson from High Point Church. Today, we're doing a, a question on what does it mean to be a man? And this kind of seems like a trivial question, like it shouldn't be that hard to figure out, but it's been extremely hard for people in my generation to figure this question out. So um, we thought that it would be a good idea to to do a podcast on this. So I think we'll just jump right into it. I think I'll ask this more broad question um, to you, Nick, that what is biblical masculinity? And we can kind of go from there. Yeah. So I think it's important to recognize biblically speaking, that the Bible starts with Genesis 1, not Genesis 2. And the overwhelming emphasis of the language about the creation of human beings in Genesis 1 is egalitarian. That is, everything is said is equal. So that um, he creates man and woman in his image. Both he creates that way, and that's intentional. So the Bible starts out unlike any other um, document in the ancient world by stating that women, men and women are created um in that passage, it seems like they're made at the same time that we find out in chapter two, they're not, mm-hmm. but they're, they're created logically at the same time that mm-hmm. both men and women are created in the mind of God yeah. as equals in both in his image. So how, whatever we say about differentiation, the Bible itself as an ancient document, more than 3000 years old, this passage does something no other did instead that men and women are equal. And I think it's really important to start that way because people are going to hear with offense or men are going to hear boorishly like, oh yeah, I knew boys were better all the time. Yeah. And we want both, neither of those to happen. Yeah. One is like men are, men are different than women yeah. and those differences are consequential right. and they matter for a happy life right. in a developed society. And secondly, boys aren't better than girls right. <laughs> and, but girls are not better than boys right. and that um, we need to recognize that they're both made in the image of God and that is right. the foundation of dignity yeah. for human beings. Okay. So then in Genesis 2, um, you get there's a longer story about the differentiation between men and women, and it states that God creates the physical man first. Mm-hmm. There's some speculation that the language in Genesis three means that the original man was without gender, and that when the woman was taken from the man, I don't think that's right because Adam means man generally, and Eve means uh, life. Uh-huh, and so some people it. believe that 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 there, God creates humanity first and then differentiates gender. I don't think that's what the narrative is meant to tell some us. Some like. A dude with like boobs and stuff, like like a, <laughs> like a dude with all the parts. I don't know, maybe just the woman not. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. What people are imagining that case, but yeah. um, but but I don't think that's what the text means. Yeah. I think it means that um, that a physical male is created. That that male is Adam. Yeah. And then um, <clears throat> there's a number of things that happen in Genesis two, mm-hmm. where the man is starting to do what humans are created to do in Genesis one, which is to take dominion. Mm-hmm. So he is. He's naming the animals. Um, he's he's learning to work the garden mm-hmm. that is to to bring order into creation all that kind of thing mm-hmm. and so there's all these things relative to taking dominion that the man is doing now there's a, there's a couple things the man can't do one is um, the man can't um, fill the earth yeah right yeah and also the man um, can't really do it all well that, right. that there's something that the man can like quote work the garden right but the man himself can't flourish human beings aren't going to flourish and there's nothing in the animal kingdom whether non-domesticated or domesticatable animal that can change that mm-hmm. right he he names all these animals and in the process of naming them he's kind of like what's going to be man's best friend yeah. here the horse the dog like wh- wh- what's yeah. going to make me doing this work and and what should we assume is, that that the animals that a man and a woman as well like like there's a man yeah. and a female so sure do you think he 
I don't know. There's no way we can know this, but th- but like maybe Adam could have like been suspicious. Maybe something's coming for him because right. there's a man and a woman on yeah. every other thing here right. except for him. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the text doesn't say that, but I mean that yeah. may be. I, yeah. I think what the text does say is that for Adam, a suitable helper wasn't found. The yeah. word helper, there's a lot of debate about this. Yeah, because the word helper is isn't used in the Bible for for a quote lesser person, and sometimes. Folks will say that means there should be no differentiation between men and women or certainly no subordination hmm. because the word Azair or helper is used for God. It's mm-hmm. also used for like other military commanders. And that's right. actually true. The, the word Azair is not a word of like you're worse than somebody else. It's yeah. the way I define it, which I think takes in all of its meanings is the, the, the aid without which you cannot succeed. Right. So it's not just like your helper, like, Oh, yeah. like, like my, my seven year old, I'm like, Hey, can you hand me that wrench? I could have done right, it without yeah, her, but right. she's my little helper. Right. That's not what it means. It means yeah. you need this helper. You won't succeed. Right. You will fail. Right. And in this case of Adam and Eve, like if Adam doesn't have Eve, then human beings are wiped out of existence after a certain period of time. Right. And that's, then you, we don't succeed. There you go. Right. And the yeah. earth certainly can't be filled, which is God's right. idea. That yeah. God's idea is that human beings would be dominion makers. And that's a positive term in the Bible. Not, it's not a term of like raping the earth and destroying everything. Yeah. That's not right. what dominion means. Dominion means lordship or like yeah. right rule that causes the flourishing of everything under your care. Hmm. And so the dominion the man and woman are supposed to take means that you've got to have humans everywhere in the earth. You have to have a population. Yeah. Adam and Eve can't do it. You can, you can only mow so much grass. Right. Yeah. right. And so um, you have to have lots more humans to, to, create the godly offspring necessary for real dominion in the earth. So not only would they go extinct without procreation, but they couldn't fulfill the creation mandate without multiplying. Yeah. Right. They have to be quote fruitful and multiply. Right. That makes sense. So, so, but there's no sense in Genesis two that that's the only reason the woman is created. Yeah. The woman is the Azir or the helper without which the man can't succeed in probably every way. Yeah. Right. And that's what we see with men and women practically that though there are significant differences between men and women, like 95% of the things you actually do in human life, there's massive overlap between what men and women can do. I mean, we're, right. we're in some ways almost interchangeable. Mm-hmm. That's why like people who are egalitarians, you can, you can understand where they're coming from because right. like yeah. what really can men do that women can't. And it's, right. it's very little that right. women can't do. They might not do it as well. They might not like yeah. it as well. Right. They might right. feel diminished doing it. They, right. There may be yeah. emotional issues they have with yeah. it relative right. to men and men might actually mm-hmm. like doing it. Mm-hmm. There are those differences. But like, if you're like, Oh, tell me something a man can do, a woman can't. Right. And there's, almost nothing yeah. other than impregnate a woman, <laughs> yeah. right? That, that that's true right. about. Now there's a number of things that men can do better than women, like right. yeah. lift weights, for example, yeah. right? But women can lift almost all the practical weight needed to have a human life. Yeah. So it's not right. like they're quote inferior, like they can't do it's they, necessary they're not for life, able to do that, right? Yeah. yeah, they can they do can. it. So, so when you get to like, what are the differences and what are what people get? You're like, well, when people say there's no differences between men and women, if what they mean is men and women, women can do the things men do in real life. That's mostly true. Right. Right. And but so, the question is about you, like you said, the, the dominion and lordship over not just like just the natural things of the world, but it's also over each other. And if women aren't going to flourish in that position, then in the position of, of whatever, like whatever it is, like like maybe it's like church leadership or, or running a business or something like that, like then we probably shouldn't put them there. Right. Like that. Yeah. I mean, not the, and for, for Christians, it, in many ways, it gets back to what the Bible commands. But yeah. one of the things that Catholic theologians have been really good on is to say, well, the Bible doesn't command anything that doesn't accord with natural theology. Right. So yeah. if, if the Bible commands it, it is because it's actually good. Yes. Right. And I don't want to say I want to say real quickly, because I just said that I think that women can can be the CEOs of businesses and things like that. It's just there is a statistic that we talked about in the previous podcast that like like 80 percent of the women who are who are CEOs and 
man and man, managerial roles across the United States are like clinically depressed and some of them suicidal. So it doesn't seem like this is a very, yeah, like it's not good. But can I ask one question? Because I think. Going, yeah, you just opened a big can of worms. Right I know, there, and, I know. And we haven't got very far through Genesis yet. Yeah. I know. Okay. In Genesis, he talked about Genesis one. God's talking about there's. He already mentions a man and a woman, and right. then in Genesis two, we see that there's just a man, and then later on comes a woman. Right. And and, so, and, and most historical Christians have believed that this that what the man is doing and taking dominion before the woman is created, and that we we find out that God is telling the man to right. do certain things, giving him commands when there isn't a woman yet, yeah. that all these things are meant to signify what we're supposed to already know, which is there is a relationship of authority between the man and the woman. Right. And, and that's really important in the, dis- in the discussion within Christian faith about the roles of men and women, right. because if subordination doesn't take place until Genesis three mm-hmm. after the fall, then it's, re- it's the result of the curse. Right. That is, it's a bad thing. It wasn't part of God's good plan. Yeah. If it exists in Genesis 2, that the man is the head of the woman in Genesis 2, mm-hmm. though the woman is the Azair, the mm-hmm. absolutely necessary companion of the man, right? If that's true, that's pre-fall. That's part of God's good plan. Right. That's how he intended it originally. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's part of our teleology. That is the purpose for which we're created in our mm-hmm. design. Mm-hmm. And so to go along with that, that intersubordinate role is part of our design, therefore necessary for our flourishing, our happiness. It's mm-hmm. the right use of our bodies and lives, and it also pleases the mm-hmm. Lord. Well, there something else? So, that, so, so it's a huge, that whether or not you think that's in Genesis 2 or 3 is a huge right. difference, and I think it's very clear in the Bible well, that yeah. it's Genesis 2, not 3. And I think for, from, for the male, like from the male, I guess for Adam, maybe there's something to that God put him there first to learn some responsibilities before he gave him yeah, a, we'll, a we'll helper. Get, we'll get to that because yeah. one of the most fundamental things relative to, to masculine, honorable masculinity is right. the taking on of responsibility yeah. and the accepting of the exploitation of yourself. That yeah. is you being used up for the good of others. Yeah. If men accept that, then women are not yeah. usually very upset about the concept of men leading or any of that sort of thing. Right. But when, men, wherever men do not in a... Yeah. And, and to say to receive exploitation is just a way of saving, saying servant leadership. Yeah. Right. To say right. You're, you're a servant leader means mm-hmm. you're leading, but you're being used up for the good of others. You're yeah. being quote exploited right. in the general sense of like, like you would use a natural resource. Yes. Right. right. And because I am a natural resource, right. that's what I am for my family. I'm other things too. Yeah. But I'm, I am being used right. up for my family. Like right. 85, well, like no, like 99% of my income. Mm-hmm. goes to taking care of my family. Mm-hmm. The woman I found myself to in the offspring we've created, right? Yeah. I am being exploited. Now right. women will be like, well, me too. Yeah. And the answer is yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. We, we are both, we're being used up for our offspring. We're being yes. used up for our society. And we can enjoy that life of right. being used up, but I am living in service of others. Yeah. And to the extent, and, and women are close, more closely bound to that because they bear children out of their own body. Yeah, they they are drawn they're literally like right, they, physically fe- being used up in a lot of right, ways. Right, they're drawn into their relationships of responsibility more viscerally. Yeah. than men are. Right, men have a dynamic relationship with their responsibilities right. so that they can more ra- easily rationalize stepping away from them and right. doing whatever they want and yeah. living for themselves. But and that is the fundamental difference. Right, right, and so we can talk about how society makes it more and less likely for actual real human men morally to choose that kind of life. Like right. when, well, like when you rip on men all the time and you say that they're disgusting and they're terrible and they, they don't matter <laughs> and, and fathers aren't necessary and all that kind of crap. Yeah. Um, that second wave feminine, feminism definitely did. Right. Yeah. Like women don't need a, a man any more than a fish needs a bicycle, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, right. Then what men do is they say F you in large numbers right. and you only need <laughs> about 5% of them to do that yeah. to destroy human society. Yeah. Right. Because, because 
once you have a matching problem, then you create a level of competitiveness. Yeah. Right. So like you see this in, in some Islamic cultures or sub-Saharan African cultures where there's polygamy. Yeah. So like highly prominent men get to marry a number of women. Right. What happens though is that that pulls a certain percentage of women out of the marriage pool. So there's yeah. not enough women to go around for all the men. And you know what starts happening? The men start doing very antisocial things because yeah. they don't all get a woman. Yeah. And that's all they want. Right. They want a woman. Right. Um, to, to love them, to have sex with, to build a family with, to have a life with. And when yeah. they don't get that, they start going bonkers. Right. And similarly, if a bunch of men leave the marriageable workforce, the opposite happens. Women then start competing for men. And if polygamy is not okay in your culture, and it hasn't been historically in ours, yeah. right? What happens is, is that they all start fighting for the good men. Right. And it creates like, like I, I think there was a, a survey in New York City about with younger women. And it, like something somewhere between 35 and 45% of women, younger women had confessed to having tried to poach another woman's husband. Because they were looking for a good man. Yeah. They felt like they were all taken. Right. Right. And so they're like, well, that guy's a good man. Yeah, right. he's married, but maybe I can convince him to leave his wife. And yeah. that's incredibly destructive to human society. Imagine being yeah. a child in that society. Well, it's also, I think, isn't it destructive in the sense that, like, I mean, you look over at Europe, you brought up the case that, like, the death and the birth mm -hmm. rate, or is a, is a birth rate lower than the death, death rate right now? Or is it like, are they starting to, to come? Yeah, it is. Well, it is. But, like, so even with perfect health care, you need a 2.2 ish. Um, birth rate which birth. is for every woman they'll have 2.2 children right yeah. and <laughs> the uh and the birth rate is 1.2 yeah and not just in in western and eastern europe but in india in japan yeah. in some parts of iran right in most of the world like basically if you give women birth control and it's closing in in the united states isn't it, isn't it yeah the only in, reason yeah. it will the only reason we're not there for for like anglo people people of like any kind of european descent yeah it's already well it's already like 1.2 hmm. um that's why, like, that's one of the reasons why white supremacists are like, hey, there's no future for white people because mm -hmm. white people aren't having kids yeah. at the rates necessary to exist. Right. And so and people who aren't white have generally like if you look across the entire world, mm -hmm. um, there are more non-white peoples that are having replaceable births. Yeah. So. So, for example, Europe, people have talked about the Ar Arabization of Europe, mm -hmm. that it's going to be Arabia, like your Arabia soon, <laughs> because. It, because what's it's and it's not because like anything bad is happening to the Europeans like that they're being they're being like, um, like that like that the, like they're being made infertile or something they're just not having children. Well, because so, when you I give mean, people, there is some infertility because of some of the the, the ways people are doing are using uh, birth control. Like there's some birth controls that are really affecting women's fertility. I think even in the United I States, I think that that's true. Yes. But, however, I also think that they just don't want to have children. That's yeah. Because I think right. part of the issue with even with women, so men do not have the same natural like, oh, I have to have a child to make my life meaningful. Right. Right. Um, but like women do have it, but they have it. They don't have it when they when they when their life yeah. really revolves around their children. What studies seem to show is is like in their late forties and early fifties and later. Mm -hmm. So basically, when they're having grandchildren, yeah, they're they're let they become increasingly less interested in their careers. Most women do, and more interested in their families. Yeah, right, right. And the problem is, is that well, the game's already over by that yeah, point. Yeah, right. Like when, but when you're twenty three and you're a woman in our culture, and, the idea that like yeah. you need to hurry up and get married and have kids and utilize your fertility so that for the rest of your life you'll right. be happy in having yeah. children isn't really on your mind. And then in addition to that, well, the most 20 somethings know both men and women, how crappy a kid they were and how, <laughs> how terrible it is to have children in a culture yeah. where their parents aren't revered. Yeah. Kids don't aren't expected to, to revere their parents. Age is considered like a liability, like yeah. your passe rather than you're full of wisdom. Right. Like part of, I mean, there's, it's not just that like in modern culture, we disrespect True. men. 
we really disrespect just, men. We yeah. disrespect women. Even though we worship women, right. we do it in a disrespectful way. Oh, well, we, we, we worship we, all the wrong things. We about di- women. Yeah, we, we, we disrespect or we respect women's like sexuality only, not them as a human being. Like, right. And, and well, I guess and not exp- even their sexuality. And their exploitability as workers. Exactly. Right. right? Like, yeah, who, yeah. like, who right. cares if you can like earn as much money as a man? Like, why does that matter right, right. Like, what's the trade-off here like if you can make a hundred thousand dollars or raise a child like you're putting a value on the child not being worth a hundred thousand dollars a year or something like that like mm-hmm. if if the woman's going to take the that route and yeah and what most women do in america at least is they have children they'll have one or two children yeah and um and a lot of that though is not just them like i don't want to say that this is just women like right. there is it's, it's a lot more women than it used to be it right. used to be men didn't want to have as many children and women just got as many children out of them as they could yeah and, but now more often women are getting, they want to get married. If you ask women, you say, do you want to have fewer kids? They'll say, well, not really. Yeah. But if you say to most of them, do you want to get married later? Do you want to not get married young? Yeah. They'll be like, well, yeah, I don't really want to get married young. Right. And you're like, do you want to have, start having kids like really soon after you get married? They're like, well, no, not really. Yeah. Right. Because people yeah, don't think, crazy. people don't think I need to get going on this because <sighs> my fertility only lasts so long. And, and I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to want to be a grandmother at 74. Right. I'm going to want to be a grandmother at 58. Hmm. And so because of that, like. People don't look for a suitable marriage partner. They don't yeah. get married. And, be, and so then they keep dating, having sex with each other in these yeah. like wandering circles, like on right. Grey's Anatomy or something. <laughs> and then like, and, and then you just don't, but the, the, the reality is, is that what, statistically it's the, the social science research. Women are the ones who are the most unhappy with this. Men yeah. love it. The average man. Oh, because they just get out of sex when, like, it's just willy nilly. Just go out of sex with, with right. this whole group of friends and everybody. It's kind of like a big weird orgy group. Like that's kind of what these things become. Because like in high school, yeah. that's what I mean. When I was in high school, that's just kind of the situation. Well, that's what it's devolved that's into. Because yeah. without without the without the teleological human structures right. that scripture offers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and lots of other cultures have discovered these right. outside of the scriptures, right? right? Like most cultures had a like no sex before marriage. Right. Kind of, and, and there yeah. was like all these sociological reasons for that. Because yeah. what they understood was once you break that mold, mm-hmm. things devolve into just, like well, that is fine to just screw around and yeah, whatever. And right. people think that that's all, well, well, once we got birth control and penicillin yeah, right. so that we could deal with STDs and we could not have pregnancies yeah. we didn't want and we could yeah. abort children. Now it doesn't really matter because we can control our fertility. We can yes, control our health. Right. So why can't we just have sex with whoever we want? And the answer yeah. is, because sex has always been more than that. And so yes, has relationships right. yeah. and so has fertility. That's why Christians, one of the ways I defend marriage now is not, um, well, the Bible says it now. It's like, I think that Roman Catholics have it right. Ryan Anderson, who has written a bit about hmm. uh, marriage and transgender experience. He said, one of the first things they said in his book with Robert, I think, was it Robert George from Princeton was you have to first understand that marriage is a comprehensive relationship. Hmm. And that it cannot be taken apart into a la carte pieces. Yeah. And sex is one of those pieces. The idea that you can take sex out of the comprehensive relationship of marriage, which is yeah. lifelong union, deep interpersonal knowing, maximal intimacy, um, made in the image of God to together be a single unit in which you can flourish. Yeah. The capacity for rearing children. Like like all of that right, right together is one thing and sex right. is part of it. And sex kind of unifies it all and flows through all of it. Right. And the idea that you can take sex and take it out of that and just it be its own thing is just completely false practically. Well, and you see this with women. Let me just say one more yeah, thing. Go ahead. Like um, in the sociological research on women, women who said they wanted to, their sexual partners to be relatively short term, mm-hmm. um, 7% of them said that they were very satisfied in their sex lives. Hmm. And it's both its physical pleasure yeah. and its meaning. Yeah. 
And for women who were married and who said they wanted their their partners to be married, part right, it right. was forty one percent. Right. So like almost halves. And, and <laughs> so 40, men are still 40, not doing too good. No, no, 40%. no. It was forty one percent marked that they were quote extremely satisfied. Extra, oh, extremely satisfied. Okay. Extremely satisfied. Yeah, yeah. So almost half yeah. of women in marriage relationships, because people think think so most marriages are sexless. Mm-hmm. They are not. Mm-hmm. Right. Married married women have more sex, more satisfying sex, and more orgasms yeah. in marriage, hmm. just across the board. Yeah. And women don't, frankly, which would make sense because women don't like being abandoned. Yes. And it makes sense because a man knows the woman. If you're doing this for 10 years, he's going to know all the tricks and things to make it all work great. Right. And so I I got. Yeah. And you learn your particulars because women don't all like the same thing, it turns out. Yes. And so you got to kind of learn that woman. Yes. Because like sex for women is is hugely about their headspace. Yeah. So what makes them feel comfortable? What makes them feel loved? What makes them feel. And and sex is kind of a tricky thing because it's an act of. Like union, but it's also dominant and submissive in its mm. in its fundamental yes. nature. Right, and so that can that if it, it goes too too far, the the pendulum goes too far to one side, like the dominant and submissive side, it can become like dangerous. Right. Well, yeah, and women don't like that. Women don't want to be and, yeah. right. So like, there's a sense in which, kind of in a visceral way, yeah. If women are able to embrace their femininity in the act of sex, rather than saying, well, "No, I want to be an equal," so we're just going to be kind of be the same. Yeah. If, if they like accept that they're like. They're in a receptive role, yeah. and the male's in a physiologically initiating yeah. role, and you can't really flip those. You can't, yeah, you right. Can't. So, like, then in one sense, giving into the receiving of that, right. being like in the positive sense, mm. ravished, yes, yeah, is a fundamental part of a female right. receiving the sexual act. Mm. But there can be a fine line between that being a kind of dominance that is not yeah. part of the feminine reception of male interaction in sex Should right? I put like an explicit thing on this you might podcast have to, yeah. <laughs> but like do you see what I'm saying that like yeah. there can be a really fine line there in like what's most necessary is the is the woman's feeling of yeah. being safe and that she totally right. trusts mm-hmm. the man that is ravishing her yeah and like you, how do you do that in a, in a short-term lover relationship right. do you really totally trust yourself in the hands yeah. and under the body of this man, you can't even do that after like some most like five years of marriage. Like it's, it's no, right. oh, it's, yeah. or like 10 years. It, it's not it, you can't do it for sure. Right. Well, that's what everybody. Week. That's what all the research says. The research says that like as you move through marriage, sex gets better because you're trusting each other and you know right. each other better. Right. So that the comprehensive thing that you said about how, you know, like sexuality and male, 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 female relationships within marriage is this comprehensive thing with all mm-hmm. these different moving parts. Right. I think that that's a. Uh, I think that that's not just true about like relationships. I think that's true about everything in our society. I think that what's what one of the biggest issues I've seen with just people of my generation and the younger generations that are coming up is that they try to compartmentalize things that are actually just comprehensive and you have to be able to see how these movies, we talked, we talked about this about politics and these things too. Right. And and, And, okay. And the fun thing about on this podcast, because I know that you work for a Republican is that that is a, that comes from a, a way Republican ideology goes wrong that yeah. like individualism can become consumerism. Absolutely. And then you think right. consumerism can cross the line of what ketchup you like hmm. to what you will and won't take from this woman you're dating. Right. And that's something that progressives have more right just right. in a statist wrong way, which is yeah. no, we're all comprehensively related to each yes. other. And so that question in our in human society is one of the reasons why everybody's killing each other in American society yeah. because 
one group has an instinct that we're all deeply connected. Yeah. Another group has an instinct that we really need mm -hmm. to be treated as individuals for yes. liberty's sake. And they don't realize that humans have always understand right. understood there are ways in which we're all connected and there are ways in which we have to be treated as individuals. Right. And getting which one of those is right gets, is incredibly yeah, important. Yes, right. And I, I only think the only ideology I think that gets it anywhere close to right is Burkean conservatism, which almost no conservatives are anymore and almost no right. Republicans. Yeah. And so the idea that we're we're in these tiny platoons of culture forming bonds, yeah, and those cultural bonds within families and wider tribal structures and so on and institutions, yeah, create these dynamics of belonging right. that are natural mm -hmm. and organic rather mm -hmm. than statist and controlling, mm -hmm. but that you are bound to them. And the most fundamental is between the man and the woman in the comprehensive right. relationship. It's going to be hard to get all these other societal comprehensive relationships and things to, together or correct maybe or figure out the order of them if you're not going to be able to get your own marriage relationship in that in that way and so to go back to the point of the um what like what does it mean to be a man right. i think it's important to, to ask just the fundamental question of like what is the clear differences between like male sexuality and women's sexuality like what what makes a man biblically a man and what makes a woman a woman and so we can make that clear fundamental baseline uh, yeah. distinction yeah, so I think that what Genesis 2 lays down is that there is a relationship of authority that men have. And I think that you have to understand that with God, that authority is related very deeply to responsibility. Yeah. And one of the things I think <laughs> men just do not get yeah. is how much responsibility. Like, well, I know men do get it because they run from it. Like, like, oh, yeah, like if right. you tell a man you can get married and you'll have a certain amount of authority in your home, your wife will respect you naturally. You don't even have to be like, you can be egalitarian. She'll still respect you if you leave. That's so me and so I'm getting married. I don't know if I said that on this thing, but me and my fiance, we talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. It's like even the women and men who are like, we're, we're egalitarian and like everything's equal. Mm -hmm. It's like you really, you still see complementarianism playing out in the relationships. Yeah. And you're like, come on, dude. Like this is what you're doing it. You know, you're doing the right. thing. So well, just, and I mean, think, think about what Ephesians actually says to wives, wives yeah. submit yourselves to your husbands. Right. Right now. Okay. So in the Greek, the middle voice, which is reflexive, submit yourselves rather than submit. Yeah. Right. Is the same as the passive. And so you can't really be sure it says submit yourselves rather than just submit because it's the same Greek form. Mm -hmm. But, um, but what, what it does say, whether or not you say it that way is it, it says, who does it, who does it tell to make sure women submit in that yeah. passage? It tells women to make sure women submit in that passage, not men. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's no place in the new Testament mm -hmm. that says men, make sure your women submit right in, in the new Testament. Uh, it's very clear that men are responsible right. for themselves. You have to take yes. care of your own moral position. Yeah. Men have to make sure right. that they lead right. and they lead their wives in a way mm -hmm. that their wives would love to submit to them. Yeah. And right. then women are responsible to make themselves right. submit. Which means wives that submit to your husband. Men can't be idiots. Again, Correct. this is the comprehensive thing. You you have to be able to take into a man who is going to lead in a way that a, a woman is going to follow. It means that he needs to take into consideration how she feels about certain situations right. and, and this domineering this is where right. like well and not just dominating but incompetence yeah. foolishness yes um unwillingness to take responsibility yeah. laziness all of those things you're that, just describing like politicians right right now. And like you're, listen, you're describing I, terrible leaders I, listen i have listened to the men's right advocate women yeah like if like it's kind of fun to listen to a woman talk about men's rights yeah and they talk about white knight syndrome that like society wants to tell men they should take all this responsibility and basically be exploited within a family when women can be hags. White knight, like yeah, they call it the white knight syndrome, which is like when you say like K N I G H T. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. like knight yeah. riding on a horse with yeah. a sword, okay. right? Yeah. And they say like um, the white knight syndrome is like 
women can do whatever they want. Women can treat men like garbage. Women yeah. can abandon their husbands and get child support from them even because they just didn't like them anymore and, and yeah. like do whatever they want. Right. And what we're going to, and men are going to, are going to stick up their middle finger and say, screw that. And mm-hmm. then what we're going to do is we're going to yell at the men. Yeah. Well, men, you should take on responsibility. You should step right. up. You should, right. right. When, when there's a very significant percentage of women yeah. that are unmarriageable because. Oh my gosh. And, and that's with, remember In the this. church. I'm, oh, listen, I, I'm just saying it's, it. You know? It's way worse than that because yeah. men have an overwhelming amount of testosterone. Okay. That's very true. I so confirmed that. 95% of people who are killed at work are men because men take uh-huh. on risk. This was the whole thing with uh, Jordan uh, Peterson was doing in the interview with the, with the lady and, and what the lady was just like, like the, basically saying how like, Something about how it's like on the the unfairness between ma- male and female. And he's how, like, you mean like ninety five percent? Yeah, of he's, people die work are men. He's like, in what ways? Yeah, men yeah. are dying more. They're yeah, yeah. It's funny because yeah, like, men work oh. longer hours. They yeah. die earlier mainly because of stress. Right. That seven year gap is mainly because of accidental deaths and yeah. stress. That stress comes from men exploiting themselves to provide right. for women who want more from them. Because it's fundamental to who they are. From right. like we see back in Genesis, it's like Adam like immediately was was told you need to learn these responsibilities right. and do these things to provide for the for the for well just provide in general. Like I guess to take dominion over this garden, and then that translated over to like taking dominion over your family in a personal way. Like I think that this is where like we're men my age, and even myself, it's like there. This is like a like a pandemic like this is an issue because young young men like we don't know what we're doing and any way shape or form how to even start to take responsibility because i think that i mean it goes into all these different things but a lot of men in my generation have don't have good fathers they can't grow up in divorced families they didn't learn anything from their parents they weren't told go get a job at 15 years old to pay for anything it was like the parents are just shoveling them money here you go it's like mm-hmm. and then they get out of the real world and they're freaking confused, right. and then a bunch of them kill themselves. Like that, we're, that's what we're seeing now with, especially like young white men are just committing suicide because mm-hmm. they're like, I don't know, or how taking to do opiates, this. or yeah, or or just yeah, going off the rails in different ways. And so for 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 yeah. men to learn this responsibility, like yeah, your socioeconomic you're class up affects it. how you kill yourself. But yeah, but right. but but men, what it does is it leads to a lot of destructiveness. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, men are responsible for almost all the violent crime in America. Yeah, right. And it, and it's probably because. Um, men have this thing called testosterone yeah. and it, it affects every way we see the world. Yeah. Um, in fact, one of the saddest things about this is like when young women, um, declare themselves transgender and they get testosterone, families will say, I don't recognize this, this person anymore. Like just as a different, like, yeah. I mean, testosterone just makes you a different person. Yeah. And it's especially bad at first. Yeah. But it like, it just like, for, like, because for example, like <sighs> if. If a person who identifies as trans, I'm talking about a minor here now. I'm not talking about somebody who's 26. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and my view is, is that minors should not be taking any of these drugs. Okay. Absolutely. I'll just be very open. Most about Most people probably should. Like if you're, tw- if you're 25 and your brain is done developing right. and you in passing through puberty, it hasn't made you accustomed to where you can have a relationship with your body yeah. and you believe your, your transgender internal experience is so profound that you have to try to transition the way you look in some way. Yeah. I don't feel like I should try to stop. We were talking about irreversible damage, that book, irreversible damage. That's what Andrea is reading that. I mean, she just finished it and these are all the things it's like, yeah. And that book is about minors, right? Like, and and kids who are young women. Yeah. Young women being drawn into this. Yeah. So so like, anyway, the point is, is that like testosterone changes you because it changes men, right? right? Men are so much more open to risk. Now think about this relative to how bad things are with women. 
men have a chemical in their body that makes mm-hmm. them ridiculously open to risk and they yeah. still won't marry these women. Right. Right. Like we are literally yeah. formed like in yeah. a way with our hormones yeah. so yeah. that we are willing to yeah. take enormous risks. And they still won't marry these and women. And they still won't marry these women I mean, because you ask yourself how they <laughs> know how big a risk it is. It's too much risk. That's these are people crazy. who will jump off of buildings. Yeah, right. These are people who jump out of airplanes with parachutes. These right. are people who rock climb, free climb. Yeah. Like, like people expose themselves to profound risk and they won't marry these women. Yeah. Because a lot of women are, frankly, just too much of a risk. Yeah. And here's why. Because when a man free climbs a rock or when a man does these other risky behaviors... Yeah. One of the things that they're testing is their own competence. Right. So much as it relies on mm. me, I will survive. Yeah. The problem is, is that if you marry a woman who just like doesn't respect men, right? Right. And doesn't re- re- respect masculinity and how we exploit ourselves for the good of women, how we're being used up for them because they're being used up in a different kind of way. Right. Then there, you're, if you're a man, there's no way to win. Right. You're never going to win right. because she right. will find fault with you mm-hmm. and she'll leave you for somebody you're else. You're just going to hate yourself the whole time. You, like yeah. The, and you the, won't be able to be you. Yeah. So, so yeah. So what got, so the, what the guy basically, whenever a guy looks at something they're like, okay, this is dangerous mm-hmm. and there's no way for me to win. Right. They don't take that risk. They're not going to take the risk. If it's dangerous, but they could win. It's like a football game. You're like, okay, I, yeah, it's going to be hard, right. but I could win. Right. Then it's like, this sounds great right. because I want to fight and win. Yeah. Right. And if well, so, if romance is something that it'll be tough, it's a risk, but he can right, win. Right. Then he'll do it. Yeah. But if it looks hmm. like the odds are all against there's him, no he'll just say, "Screw here. this! I'm not doing this." Like, I'm not doing. Yeah. Well, I want to say th- there's a squirrel <laughs> that just popped up into the into the window over here trying to learn about sexuality. That's so he's never done that before. That's so. That's funny. pretty sweet. He's got a whole. What's that in his mouth? Some kind of nut. A nut. What the heck is he doing? That's pretty funny. Um. Yeah. Anyways, the, the the thing that I've I've been he's trying to hide it there. Maybe I don't know what he's That's doing. That's so funny. I, I hit him. He'll be back though because he left his nut there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. So, um, so, t- well, so testosterone yeah, profoundly changes how men interact right. with these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And so, um, if you could put together the biblical doctrine of responsibility with the with the actual physiological effects of testosterone, you get a pretty good sense of what's different yeah. with men. Well, I want to talk about, and this is something that's actually, I yeah. I mean, I think I say a bunch of things on this podcast that maybe piss people off, but I, I got to say this because I think it's it's been frustrating to see that how this has seeped into the church because obviously i'm not i'm not such a big like if the world is going to do their thing then they're going to do their thing but if this does start this attitude towards men starts putting itself into the uh, our churches our local churches and our communities that's not a good thing so i want to talk about there's a bunch of young women who especially i see it in madison and a lot of the big cities and around the universities who are willing like they want so badly this this feminist idea of like like we said you know i want to um have this career and i want to do this thing and i'm going to get married when I, uh, later on and i'm going to um have kids later on and it's like you're not like taking into consideration all these other things that that's going to affect in when you're 50s you know, the whole thing that you talked about mm-hmm. so these women especially women my age are like seeking out cowardly men in the church like i'm going to say it. they're seeking out cowards to marry because they know they can control them and i feel like nobody's even talking about this because i've seen i'm not obviously i i've seen so many women my age who are seriously they will not go for a man who has an ounce of leadership capacity. And I, this is a personal thing for me, obviously, but it's like, do you know how hard it was uh, like to find somebody, you know, Andrea is great. And I don't know if she, she wants me to say her name on here, but Andrea is great. And, but for me personally, it was like, yeah, people think 
that I'm a dick because I have leadership like capabilities naturally. I think they think the same thing about mm-hmm. you. Well, so, I, I mean, in your case, probably my case, you can also you periodically be a, a absolutely, a dick. Yeah. absolutely, and and that's something that like why that's work part through. of maturing, right? Yes. Like so, there's a and learning my of, responsibilities to not be an right. Absolute. If you if you ask younger men to embrace their masculinity. You are going to get some boorishness. Yes, you you are going to get that. And yes, you, like a, a man, in order to develop his confidence yes. relative to responsibility, his willingness to face right. challenges, right. has to believe in himself enough to try. Yes, and right. so developing a certain kind of functional swagger right. is actually developmentally necessary, right? As he also develops humility and the capacity for cooperation with other yes. men, not right. seeing them only as rivals. Yes, but 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 like men have to see other men as like. Objects of cooperation right. and rivalry. Similarly. And who I'm going to work with. And these people are also right. in, inherently made in the image of God and right. that kind of thing. And so you get this kind of profound competitiveness right. and it's good. And so one of the things that's happened in the feminist era is we, in order for women to be fully participants, yeah. full participants in like the workforce and those kinds of things, areas yeah. where normally men used to use these as, as fields of competition. Right. Women are like, we don't want to do that. We don't want to enter mm-hmm. the workplace right. the way men work. Yeah. And so they're like, we need to change the rules of the game. So they turned like rugby into something like soccer. You know what I mean? Yeah. And right. and men don't like it as much. Yeah. It's right. Not fun. And, but women yeah. like it more. And yeah. so. So we have this kind of stasis where we like we're mm-hmm. trying to work it out, right? Mm-hmm. But but that is highly inhibiting to masculinity. Right. So then, like the question is, well, then where can men be men, right? Well, and basically, it's like well, sports. Unless kind they of. go play in the NFL, you know, you right. can't be a, a dude, yeah. Right. And so one of the things that that's led is led men to create more uniquely male spaces yeah. around things like online video gaming and where right, they want where they want like five percent women because they want some feminine energy there to turn up their sexual desire and whatever yeah there's always that one hot girl that plays like <laughs> video games but they, right. they want to be a, a, a place they don't mind men don't mind women to be present in areas that are masculine right usually as long as the masculine way of doing things is the Do- way you do doesn't things. change yeah right right yeah so like you can have poker night and you can have right. a chick at poker night right as long as everybody can burp and say what they want yes and, and right. cuss and blah blah right. blah right yep. as long as they feel like they can be men yes and they're not being kowtowed and told how to behave yes that right. Right. so yeah i mean there's a lot of that stuff but i think well i, I want to say i've i've heard so many stories and i and it's like i was just telling you before we started this podcast that the millennial generation kind of frustrates me in, in a lot of ways I said it more aggressively than that. I'll say it in that way here. I think they're more, they're very frustrating to me. Just, I know I've heard so many stories of, uh, men and women who got married, who now are in their thirties and like they're divorced or like there's these people who, who I know, like they, they were in college age ministries back in, in college and they got married and everybody goes, you know, half the reason why people go to college age ministries is to just to find a wife. Like we know that. And they get, Which married. I don't think there's anything wrong with. No. Yeah, I mean, I think they should married, be there because they want to come to Jesus more. Sure. But I right. think saying like, and it might be, this is a great place to find a spouse. Right. It's fine. But my argument is that it actually becomes not a great place because like I like probably heard 10, 15 or 20 stories about men and women who got married and then 10 years later they're divorced and they got married in these circles mm-hmm. where, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with, with like not understanding the actual true meaning of marriage and not understanding the actual true gospel and not, mm-hmm. and then men not being like women purposefully, these liberal progressive women who have kind of added Christianity to the liberal progressiveness seeking out men who, who don't have the ability to lead. And then they hate each other in these, in these, and they, they, they re- end up hating each other because the woman desires to rule over the husband and the husband rules over the women the same way that says in Genesis that they just right. ignore. And it's like, this is a huge problem because 
You can't just get divorced when things don't go your way. And then everybody else around these people are affirming the divorce. They're like, well, they just weren't happy together. Yeah. And I'm and like, people can't stay together who aren't happy. Yeah. God forbid. If that was yeah. the case. When of, not being happy is supposed to be the cost to motivate you to grow up. To do the right thing, mm-hmm. to like get happier, be, figure out a way to, to make do the right marriage work. thing morally. Yeah. Yes. Like repent, apologize. Yes. Yeah. Do and that's things. generally the problem. It's like, we're just not happy together. And it's like, well, what's the problem? And then you ask them, what's the, you ask both people what the problem is. And it's like, that person is the problem, not right. me. And we talked about, yeah. This so, another okay. So you're now we finally gotten to Genesis three. So yes. Genesis two, you've got male and female. There is a relationship right. of authority, yes. but the woman right. is the helper without which right. the man cannot succeed. Right. So the woman is utterly necessary. And this Paul explicitly says this in first Corinthians one, he says yeah. the woman came from the man in creation, right? But men come from uteruses. Like, like all humans come from, Women and all men, therefore, come from women. So we, right? So we all, so like, there's a circle by which we come from each other, and we're we absolutely need each other. So nobody's better than each other. Like he explained again. Remember, this is two thousand years ago. Christianity had this insight, right? Right. Built on the Jewish insight, which God intended to ultimately become Christian faith as well, right? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. there's this there's this really deep idea of the equality of men and women, but there's also this very strong idea of this differentiation. Now, in Genesis three, Mm -hmm. one of the effects of the fall is is that the teleology or the purpose of creation starts to come apart, Mm -hmm. and when it starts to come apart, it first starts to come apart in the two people who God creates to rule and have dominion over creation. Right. Right. And what happens is is that the most beautiful thing about their union that is the complementary nature that. Their, the relationship of the authoritative one to the Azair, the helper, mm-hmm. and how they both fundamentally need each other, right? right? In yeah. a beautiful kind of harmony mm-hmm. and complementary nature mm-hmm. is now broken. Mm-hmm. They're now going to pull against each other right. rather than complement each other. And that's going to be yeah. an incredible tragedy. And the, and the woman is going to do it in a feminine way, right. and the man is going to do it in a masculine yeah. way. He's going to dominate her, right. and she's going to undercut him. Mm-hmm. But, I, but we've seen now in... In, in my generation and a lot of these young people again it's like when I talk to older people it's very they have a different problem where like I feel like some of the older people have a more of a problem with like the men being like like you said more domineering and controlling and like mm-hmm. basically suppressing their wives to just be their little like servants basically and yeah. I, that's messed up and right. but with younger men of my generation and the millennial generation it's the men the men just like being suppressed. It's like, it's like it's flipped. The, the roles have flipped where the women are just suppressing and dominating yeah, towards well, the men. That's attractive to men because what, what women have to do to have that kind of dynamic is to take on um, responsibilities that would have been theirs. Yeah. So right. what, the, the way the women have gotten the authority that they've gotten is by taking on the responsibility mm-hmm. that men were supposed to bear. Right. And I think that's why a lot of women are angry and tired. Yeah, because men like men are like one of the vices of men is is because one of the things that we're called to is responsibility, right? A certain kind of responsibility, and in a sense, an abstract responsibility. Like we're like when we have children, the child is not literally growing inside of us; it's not literally eating from our upper torso, yeah. right? Like we're 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 in a sense emotionally and abstractly related to the child, knowing that our sperm created it or whatever, yeah. but not. Mm-hmm. Like they're not, it's not bound to our body. Yeah. And so like the ability for men to say abstractly, this is my child. I'm going to go out there mm-hmm. and get food right. and bring it back to this woman and child mm-hmm. is something that we have to take in as a, as a part of our moral character, yeah. not just right. our natural affections. Yeah. We're not going to do it. Now. And so for men, you have to, you have to, men have to be socialized in such a way and we have mm-hmm. to socialize ourselves in such a way as to add to our to our weaker natural affections mm-hmm. the abstract moral properties of this is my wife i yeah. will not leave her this is my child mm-hmm. he's my it's my responsibility to provide for this child right. and to care for him mm-hmm. 
and so on. And those have Margaret Mead, who I don't know if she was an atheist, but she was certainly not a Christian. She was a feminist anthropologist. And she said, the mark of any society is how it socializes its men. Mm-hmm. Because women always will socialize towards their fertility because they have to. Right. Right. Well, what what can we do in the church then? Like, what can we do in the in the local church and and in church communities all around the uh, around the country, all around the world, to get men like socialized in this way that's healthy? Because I, right. I've seen it even at High Point, where like there are some of the there are just these pockets of like they like you naturally segregate yourself based off of like age and gender and race. Yeah. Like that naturally happens, and and it happens with with age. And I've seen a lot of men and women in the 18 to 35 year old age, they don't like really communicate with the older people and they don't learn some of these social things they need to learn. And this produces men who are generally cowards. And from, from my perception, like they, they're just like, I don't know. And some of of the men that have some guts stand, it will stand up for the wrong things. Yeah. You're like, where's this coming from? Okay. So, okay. So so I'm going to say a few controversial things probably that some of your listeners will not like, but but I listen, I appreciate them listening. Yes. Um, so the first is, and this is probably not as controversial, but you got to make sure you're not living up to what the women fear. Hmm. So in a, in a church that's like complementarian, like mine. Yeah. One of my first things is to not be sexist. Yeah. Right. right. So like, because, because what happens when complementarianism goes wrong? Sexism. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, now when egalitarianism goes wrong, it goes wrong just as badly at least, but mm-hmm. it, it, and, and sometimes when it goes wrong, it produces sexism. Right. In fact, I think it always does because people stop being careful about sexism when they think, oh, everybody's equal, so we don't have to be careful about this anymore. Right. But you get what you know how what black people for do is systemic racism, which yeah. is a, is a is a difficult term, but mm-hmm. it basically means racism that's not formal. It's I think uh, I think it's better microaggressions to say, and those types. Of yeah, things I, I don't like the term systemic racism. I like the term informal racism right. because they say there's a and built I don't in all I don't like it better because yeah. I'm white. I like it better because I think it describes the phenomenon better. Yeah, like. Yeah, there's racism that isn't formalized. Right. It's just, it's informal racism. And so that's why it's so freaking hard to fight. Yeah. It's like punching at ghosts, you know? Right. It, it, like the example is like the, well, right, that that this racism like works its way out through right. like corporate and stuff like that. Yeah. Like and so I think companies. in some egalitarian churches, yeah. because they've gotten rid of all of their quote formal sexism, yeah. that they're not super careful about their informal sexism, yeah. which I think is more likely. In this day and age. So because in a complementarian church, we have what they would call (laughs) a formalized sexism. That is certain role, like the role of elder is reserved for men. Yeah. One of the things that that does psychologically for me is to say, okay, that means I have to be super vigilant that this isn't really sexism. If I say this differentiation is part of the design of God, it is part of the equality of men and women relative to the differences God's created them with. And Hmm. having male elders is fundamental and necessary to treat women equally because women have responsibilities that men don't have, i.e. mainly an increased responsibility relative to fertility, frankly, right. which mm-hmm. women are like, oh, so now I'm just a baby maker. Well, no, but like, you're, that, but you can never be less than yeah, a baby maker yeah, that if thing. you can, if you can have children. Right. You're just a baby maker doesn't really make sense as if that's like, that's some lowly position or whatever. Like, no, that's, it's that's utterly fundamentally a, yeah. human being. It's the most important thing that we have. It's here. like it's like saying yeah. that me as a man, all I am is a breadwinner. All right. I am is a worker. It's well, like, no, <laughs> I mean, no, I'm more than a worker, yeah. but like. I have to work to feed yes. my family or right. they don't live and there aren't humans. Yes. You know? Yeah. And so if women don't embrace for, so when women embrace fertility, it is extremely disruptive to their lives. Yeah. And in order to do it well, to be a good mother, right. you have to embrace certain things about femininity, the relative to nurturing, 
But if you're going to fight fights with the meanest people around, you have to do something to yourself mentally to prepare yourself for that kind of conflict. Right. Mm. And I don't think women are supposed to have to do that. Mm. I think they can if they want to. And I think to a certain extent, women have to be prepared for conflict when it faces them. Right. But I think the role where conflict comes up the most is the role of elder. Somebody has to stand up in a human community and say, you can't do that. Right. Sit down. Right. And that's a really awful role. Or they have to be able to take somebody coming into them who might not be right. Like I, I know, right. like there's right. Elders thing. have to refute false doctrine. They right. have to stand up to people that are yes. abusing other people. Right. Like I'm the person in the church who has to deal with sexual abuse. I'm the person in the church right. who has to deal with doctrinal problems. Right. I'm the person who has to fire people. Right. I'm the person who has to do all these hard things. Right. And and, and terribly like emotionally draining things. Yeah. Like you're you're dealing with, and this is the thing. And it where makes like, me less nurturing exactly. to prepare <laughs> yeah. myself mentally to fight. Mm-hmm. It makes me less nurturing and I have to work so much harder. Right. Like when I go home to my 10 year old daughter mm-hmm. to try to be like really loving and receptive mm-hmm. towards her and to yeah. be like a gentle warrior. Yeah. But I have to prepare my mind you gotta for action. Like flip it on and off. It's like when right. you're at the work and when right. you're back at home. It's like, it's like imagine telling every counselor in America. Okay. Listen, you have to be ready to get up and take this air 15 and kill people in the street. At every moment, right. mentally, you have to be ready to do that. Every and you like you like work them right. through like you would like a marine, preparing them mentally to yeah. kill people. Most counselors who are there to nurture and heal people would be like, "I find this disruptive." Yeah, right. They would be like, "I don't want to do this. This is right. like the mental space I have right. to live in." For the one is so incompatible yeah. with the other that it doesn't work. Right. And now I'm not saying that there is an overlap here with men and women. There is a lot of overlap. Right. But there is a distributional difference right. where women are both naturally and functionally. And usually they're happier yeah. when they embrace that part of their femininity is embracing a part of themselves that brings flourishing, right. that makes the garden bloom, yeah. as opposed to keeps the barbarians freaking out of it. Yes, right. And hmm. I think that men have to prepare themselves for that kind of action. Right. And one of the reasons why that's necessary is that's the same thing that tells a man, I'm going to work 50 hours instead of 40 hours in this job that I hate yeah. so that my family can eat. Men do right. stuff that... Um, and women are like, oh, big deal. But no, it is a big deal. You go to a job. Most people go to jobs they don't like. Right. And most yeah. of those people who work more than 40 hours a week, who work overtime are men. Mm-hmm. And when, when they're women, it's often because of those women have been abandoned by the men in their lives. Mm-hmm. And in upper class, for example, white families. Or now with my generation, they've just chosen to abandon the idea of marriage and, and yeah. having a family. So, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, for, for some people, it's like, I mean, one of the things that women have to face is, if you want to be equal with, with men, so to speak, like in all things, like egalitarianly, you have to take on all of the male responsibilities. Right. But you're still going to have to do all of yours because men don't take on with female responsibilities very mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So what you're going to do is you're going to make yourself unhappy. Right. Like, yeah. So you yeah. have to decide between your ideology and your happiness is what mm-hmm. I mean. And I don't mean like yes. you stupid woman. I just mean like, just think about your life. Think right. realistically. Right. If you're willing to take on the responsibilities that should be the domain of men. Mm-hmm. For yourself Mm -hmm. and you recognize that men either won't or can't take on some of the responsibilities that you will have like early nurturing of very young children. Yeah. Men won't and can't do most of that. Yeah. Then what you're doing is, is that you're taking on all of your responsibilities and most of his. Right. Do you think you're going to be happy? Do you think you're going to, you think you're going to love your husband rather than resent him? Yeah. This, this no, whole, you're going to hate his guts. Right. There's this idea that it's like extremely empowering for the women to take on more than her. She can, her capacity. Well, it is empowering. It's, I, but I it's also draining like a vampire sucking your life which away. Which would, yeah. I think that's like counter empowering. That's not really imp- I it's mean, like It's it, like women saying, I feel exploited as a woman, yeah. so I want to bear on myself both the exploitation of women and the exploitation of men. Yes. I want double exploitation, yes. damn it. And yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you, you realize right. you're ruining your life. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So your your solution to the problem is just taking on more of the problem, and that, that yeah, that's, that's not that, that's not that a great leads solution. To bitterness. Yes, and it leads to hatred and anger, and it's like, yeah, well, now this person's a problem. I got to divorce. Right, and them. then you're not attractive to men. Men right. don't like bitter women. Exactly, and that's what we have. That's my generation is bitter women. Well, I don't want to say that they're all bitter, but like, but a bunch of the, them. The are. Thing, here's the thing about these things, because because yeah. I can imagine being, well, listen to me. Like, I'm not bitter, and I'm not taking. Listen, you you got to think about the population, not just right. yourself. There are like, for example, take divorce, for example, right? Yeah. Is it okay if you're a woman, you're, you're like one woman, right? And you have a real bad marriage. Okay. And you're like, I want to get a divorce. Now, is it okay for you to get a divorce? Just like, will you destroy all the humans in your family? Well, maybe not. Right. But what if 20% of you women do it? Right. Right. You see how there's a difference? Like there's something that like, if one person does it, it's fine. Like mm-hmm. peeing on the sidewalk. Right. Like if one person in the whole city mm-hmm. of Madison pees on the sidewalk, which right. of course happens. Nobody's going to pay any attention to that. But if you, but, but if it, everybody starts peeing on the sidewalk, like if 20% right. of people defecated and peed on the sidewalk, you turn into San Francisco. I was, yeah, I was just thinking <laughs> that. But like, but like you realize that would be a catastrophe. Yeah. Right. And so one of the things to realize that for both men and women, like if you have, if you have 12% of men mm-hmm. not wanting to embrace the responsibility of procreative manhood in the comprehensive relationship of marriage, right? That is a catastrophe for That's all huge. women yeah. and all men. Right. Right. If you have 15% of women who have an embittered relationship towards men because of their ideological beliefs about the nature right. of womanhood and manhood and how they don't want to embrace the nature of maleness and femaleness because right. ideologically they don't feel like it's interchangeably equal right. and that angers them and, and they rail against it, hmm. that's a catastrophe for all men and all women because right. the matching process that has to happen in this broader population gets significantly disrupted. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And so even though like you could say, well, that Nick, that's not true of all of us for the men or for the women. Right. Yeah. But the problem is, is that that's one of the reasons why one of the things that bothers me about the LGBTQ advocacy mm-hmm. is not that people are gay or that people want to be free to be gay or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's all totally fine. It's the, it's, it's not one, it's like, one of the definitions yeah. of queering. It's the idea that like there are no norms, right? That norms are all these, are, yes. are, are these like negative societal controlling mm-hmm. constructs that people use to dominate you in a quasi Marxist kind of way. Yeah. No normativity comes from teleology. God created us with a nature. Yeah. And, mm. and in doing so, most of us will live in a certain way. Not literally all of us. Yeah. Right? Not not all of us are going to get married and have kids. Like, obviously, the Bible talks about singleness and how it can right. be an incredibly noble thing. And you right. can spend all of your focus on the and Lord. Paul wishes everybody was. Right. Yeah. In, in a way. Right. But like, yeah, right. but marriage and procreative marriage is normative, meaning like the vast majority of us for there to be a human race will have to get married and have children. Right. And stay married and love each other and take right. care of each other. Otherwise, you'll have the social mm-hmm. catastrophe of nobody being able to care for everybody. And that gives you meaning and it's normal because everybody's going to like it gives you a meaning right. in your in your own. Right. And it's conducive to right development. Yeah. Like you can develop as a human being in the way you should yeah. and you'll be increasingly happy and you'll right. have a, a full life right as opposed to some of these other dynamics if you develop properly it doesn't work with that dynamic very well right, right. and also it's not good for a man to be alone like there is, there is an effect yes. of companionship and loneliness relative to this kind of bond and that's one of the reasons why you're only supposed to have one wife rather than five right? <laughs> yeah so that everybody can have this bond and so how so how then can men like with this huge gigantic issue and with men and these younger men who can't figure this out. And mm-hmm. like, it was like, even me, I'm, I'm thinking about this and it's like, what does it mean to be a man? Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're just this like super big macho tough guy, because I've, I've always been some sort of like in your face guy. And there, 
there's a there's a legitimate argument that I was never a man. Like I, I never yeah. figured out how to be a man, and like I'm still trying to figure it out. And right. so and that's not what it means to be a man is to be some dude that's just up in your face. Like, but there has to be some sense of like I know disagreeableness yeah. and being able to say no and being able to lead and being able to like say like like figure out how how you're going to, you know, the one thing now that I'm getting married, it's like now we have to like the decisions that I make affect the, the woman that I'm going to get married to. So I have to talk through the decisions and we have to talk through them with each other and she doesn't like this. And I, okay, so let's talk through it and come to the conclusion together. How, how do we get men to like start to actually like to uh, initiate these conversations? Like as a man to your wife or to your fiance or to yeah. your girlfriend or whatever, the girlfriend that you shouldn't have, because that's not a real thing, right? We don't say that <laughs> on optive, but, but, um, yeah. How do you get men to start? Like, I feel like a lot of it is about initiating conversations, like like yeah. having ho- tough conversations as a man. You don't want to have that conversation with your wife, but it's probably better if you have it now than let that thing play out for 10 years and resent and be bitter towards each other. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. So masculinity has become incredibly less intense in America in the last 50 years. So yeah. every year the average man the average level of testosterone in American men drops by 1%. And it's 40% lower than it used to be. Really? So just our bodies aren't producing as much testosterone. Some How people, does that some people think it's all the orthotricycline in the water from all the women taking the pill and that we're all drinking it. Because um, there are like fish been caught in the Potomac River that don't have genitals. Really? Right? Um, but a lot of it, it I, th- I think, is is that when men are in less competitive environments, their bodies actually produce less testosterone. Because really? it's not as needed. Yeah. Right? Because you're not, you, like if you don't have to, right. if there's plenty of women, you don't have to compete then your body just doesn't create. Yeah. There's no war, yeah. no fighting. Then your body just doesn't create as much testosterone, I think, right. is part of it too. Um, it's one of the reasons why I chop wood is because it's the exercise proven to produce the most male testosterone, right? Because yeah. I think we've got too little of it, probably, right? Like even you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, there's one guy at a church who's like, he's like 60, he's mm-hmm. a weightlifter, and he's mm-hmm. like, he went to his doctor, and he's like, recently, he's like, maybe it's time we start taking testosterone. He got the test, and it's like, he was like two, two points from the highest testosterone a man can have at 60 <laughs> like i was like dude you're, but, you're he, fine, but like here's the thing you, you could read it all over him the way he talks the sound of his voice oh, his really? posture yeah. you could just tell his body is just full of that hormone right yeah. so but I, I think that like you can be masculine you don't have to be like the super macho dude to be masculine yeah you no to, i don't think basically so. you have to do these two things in genesis too you have to be willing to take on respond the responsibility right. of leading and dominion taking yeah right and therefore you have to bear the authority necessary to take on that responsibility. Right. And in doing so, your Azair, your helper, should find her flourishing right. in working together with you and how you treat her and how you lead together and how you work together. Right. Right. And I think it's that simple. And I think that there's a, a million versions of it. Hmm. But I do think that there is a problematic dynamic of the responsible woman versus the irresponsible man. Yeah. That's a real dynamic. And in that case, I want to see women... Um, I think women, some women need to take the attitude of empowering right. men in masculinity. Yeah, that's because right. generally speaking, historically, um, a woman cannot teach a man how to be a man. Right. Only man can do that. However, a woman can call masculinity out of a man, mm-hmm. and in many men will never be um, re- a real man until women do that. Well, and I think that that plays itself not just in in one on one relationships between men and women, but mm-hmm. also in how we like societally or like culturally do this. And because I think yeah. one of the things that you said before about um, you know, if, if, if I go out and ask a girl out on a date and she says no to me, 
Like, it's not that I think this is a, one of the misunderstandings between men and women. It's not that she's just saying no to me. It's like she's saying, I can't imagine having your children right. and, and more of you walking around on this planet. Yeah. And it's like I'm not merging my genetics with yours. Yeah, that's not I, well, it's not happening. We're not, I'm not even going to, like, entertain the idea of going out on one single date with you because right. you are just disgusting. Like, that's what it says to a man. Like, that's what it says. And it's devastating. To be turned down for a date is way more devastating than even a woman thinks. And women tend to think that it's got to hurt your feelings. Well, the, the but it's the, like it's basically I, like you're not a worthy creature yes exactly yeah, yeah. and it's like and men will just be like yeah it didn't bother me but it's like then a dude won't ask a girl out for another six months yeah. because they they're and then they're like because they're like you know yeah. there's stories like guys who will ask a girl a girl will say no and then like three or four months later he'll he'll ask her best friend well why did why did she say no and it's like because he's still thinking about it for four <laughs> months and the, and the girl is like like oh he should just get over it and it's like the disconnect that i've had these conversations with women who are just like well, I just thought that men like just didn't care about, and that, uh-huh. that, like that they're just going to like, you know, pick themselves up by their bootstraps and move on to the next girl. And it's like, yeah. no, they're going to think that about that for like six months at least. And then probably not ask another girl out for another six months after that while they recover. And so I think yeah. that that's an interesting thing that like what, there's that disconnect and that actually what's happening to that man in that in that time period is that they're trying to like to like wrestle with the idea like oh like wait a second am i that bad that like my like my children shouldn't be walking this planet and the answer to that is probably yes and like (laughs) and probably no and so i think um yeah as a person who spent my early pubescent years being rejected by all women yeah um because i my hit puberty like five years late (laughs) um and that turns out like testosterone and puberty is like important to women you know i I hit it five years early yeah so so good for you i guess it sounds like it wasn't real helpful for you either um yeah (laughs) but i don't know um but yeah it's really hard yeah you know Mm -hmm. and oh but but i I think in terms but i think to get back to your question of like what can the church do and how can we like try to form good masculinity I think that, so the first is to not be sexist. Like I said before, like 20 minutes ago. Right. And I think that's really, really, really important because women, the women in your, in your family of people have to be comfortable with how you're affirming masculinity because you need them on board. You need the one to be like, look, we like this. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. maybe you're, you're saying even like, cause like we've had egalitarian women at high point Mm -hmm. who are like, look, I'm egalitarian. I don't think men should have authority over women, but I still want a masculine man and I can't find one anywhere. Right. So they're going to come to high point and you find themselves. Yeah. Whatever one that exists. Yeah. And so I I think I, so I don't think, and I think you're right that like Mm -hmm. people who are ideologically egalitarian are often still functionally semi complementarian because it's so natural. Yeah. And because like you, if you ask women, whether they're egalitarian or complementarian, what often bothers them the most about their men, it's usually that they don't lead. That's the, like, that's like the most, if I like mo- for most of them, they're like, he does all his own little stuff. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. basically leading this family. Yeah. And, and the men are, are like, like, I think men have a, maybe more so have the, I, I it's kind of like an right. ability and, and also a curse of like getting hyper obsessed with little things. Like, right. There's a, right. Again, that's distribution. That's not all men, but it's a significant portion of men. Yeah. Right. That's why like you've got men who will sell their spotting scope. They bought last year for $1,700 to buy this one that's 4% better for $2,200 because yeah. they just like, they're just obsessed with having like the right tool. And yeah. it, it goes back to like right. that men compete. Right. And so all these things are the, all the, yeah. all these possessions that we have are essentially the tools right. of our competition. Right? right. It's like the, why I get by that fishing rod. I don't need or whatever. It's cause like every time I go fishing, I'm not just trying to catch a fish. Yeah. I'm trying to compete with every other fisherman that's ever existed right. and be better than them as a provider yeah, of fish, absolutely, right. you know? And women just, I mean, like I take my wife out fishing and she's like, when are we going to be done? <laughs> Where are the yeah. chips? Yeah. You know, like, right. yeah. and, and it's just a different, just 
they're she's just and the men are she's like, well, don't you want to catch the big like they get yeah. mad? Like, what are you talking about? Where yeah. are the chips? Like, I'm where like, are the yeah. fish? That's yeah. what that's. And the she's question. like, well, let's go fishing in the middle of the day because it's nice out. And I'm like, that's the worst time to fish. <laughs> we have to go fishing like in the middle of the night when the wind's blowing and it's freezing. Yeah, that's when the walleye will bite. And she's like, I'm not doing yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Right? Yeah, but that is a fundamental difference between men and women. Yeah, men will go out into the freezing cold to do the thing. Yeah, and I think women should be like, that's great. Go All you gotta do is just like one percent of worship towards your man. For doing that. Yeah. And I mean, here's one thing that I think women right. have to recognize. I mean, and there's been many movies about this, but it, it's a fundamental fact. Right. You can either appreciate the man in your life and he can be happy and he will serve you till the day you die. Right. He'll lay down his life for you. Right. Mm-hmm. If you just appreciate him in yeah. ways you don't think you should have to ideologically. Yeah. Or you can choose not to because yeah. you shouldn't have to. Right. And you won't have a man or he won't be happy right. or he won't really serve you. He'll just make well, a little fiefdom of his hobbies right. within the relationship that he has with you that yeah. he'll continue to minimize because he doesn't feel valued by you. Right. And so why? And then I you're mean, not going to feel valued by him. And you guys, at some point, right. you're going to become roommates and you're not going to be married. And that's what happens. Right. So or often. your or your relationship will become so compartmentalized right. it won't be fulfilling. Oh right, right. and then it be that's because there are plenty of marriages right. where like you know they're raising the kids together, but right. then that's when you get these couples that like when they become empty nesters. Yeah, they're like, who are you? Right, like they were working it out. It's like they were raising their kids, right. they were staying with a budget, they went on two family vacations, and they had sex periodically. Yeah, and then they basically had separate lives. Yeah, um, and that's and in some ways that's not crazy. Like you should have guy friends and she should have girlfriends. Right, and, like yeah. but you still. I, what I see is an inhibition in long-term intimacy, yeah. a deep union and mingling of souls between right. men and women. And that's not easy, Right. but there is nothing that can possibly replace that in the mm-hmm. lives of people who are bound together in a roma- in a comprehensive relationship mm-hmm. that is supposed to be romantic as part of that comprehensiveness. Right. You're supposed to have intimacy. You're yeah. supposed to love your spouse. Right. Right. And be known by them. And so in, so kind of going back to the whole point of this podcast, the way that men do they, the way that men do that is by learning responsibility and 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 learning like the comprehensiveness of a relationship mm-hmm. with a with a woman is that yeah. it's it's not like if I provide food then you provide sex or like it, right. it's not like you're not you're not getting this right. is some sort of contract right that treats that treats yeah. it as non comprehensive right 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 exactly you're, and that's what compl- and yeah that's what Solomon says about adultery right he says the adulterous woman will reduce you to a loaf of bread right right like she'll says a man sh- with seven hundred wives yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but, no, but I, yeah. But the idea is, is that the foolishness of adultery yes. is, is that because a woman will give you her sex, right? But not she's someone else's wife. Yes, she's not right. your wife. Right. What is happening is she's making a trade with you. You're just a loaf of bread to her, right? You're providing your, something that yes. she wants, and she's giving you something that she's willing to part with. It's an economic transaction. Yes. You're nothing to her. Yeah. Right. And that's true for both men and women. Right. Right. Because what you've done is you've you've made what God made to be mm-hmm. a fulfilling, intimate, comprehensive relationship. Right. You've tried to make it all a cart. Yeah. And to the extent to which Younger people, well, not younger people, all Americans. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think I, I see this in all generations, especially at least up to boomers. Right? Yeah, right? absolutely. That like they think you could chop up human life into all these like a la carte little things. And it's you can crazy. Just work yeah. your way through it as a consumer. Yeah. And that literally destroys the fabric of what makes life good. Yeah, it's it's insane. Like I can't mm-hmm. tell, like it just it doesn't just go about with sexuality. It goes about with literally everything. Right. It's like I don't need to think about that. I can think about this. And right. I, it's just like blows my mind when I read back to like read back like to the founding fathers or even people before that you read right. some like great theologians or like C.S. Lewis and all these guys are they're not just like 
compartmentalizing politics away from sexuality, away from economics. Right. They're like pulling all these things together and saying yeah. like, that's what uh, makes up who you, that your uh, te- teleology or yeah. te- teleology. Like that's what, the, that's what makes up who you are and what you believe and how you play out that belief in real life. And that's right. very important for human beings to stop being so compartmentalized. And like, it's right. It's and one so of the reasons bad. why this is yeah. fundamentally important for women to understand is that, and we should, then we should go back to how the church can do this because we keep I keep taking us off. Is that if you if you compartmentalize the romantic relationship between men and women and it's not comprehensive in marriage, yeah. then the main thing women are bringing, like it or not, is their fertility, and that and not right. and I don't mean that relative to having children. That's true in some poorer communities, yeah. like when a poorer woman comes together with a poorer man and yeah. like she, he wants bearing children is a, as a locus of meaning because they don't have all the other fake meanings of wealth. Right. And so having like, she literally has a child for him and she becomes his baby mama. Right. (laughs) But like in more affluent, like college cultures, right. Right. What the woman is bringing is her literally her sexiness. Yes. That is that she is the object of sexual desire, which she already resents. Right. Right. Like most women, if they're honest, they resent that. But that if you treat romance a la carte, that is literally the thing the man wants. Yeah, and he wants so to you squeeze your boobs and to get on top of you. This is what's crazy. I've seen it. We but see with it. the guy, see, but, but here's the thing: yeah. with the guy, what the woman really wants isn't really for him to ravish her. He, she wants to be bound to the safety of his yes. status. Right. And the problem is, is that in your twenties, men have relatively low status because they're not killing it at work yet, yeah. and women are super hot, and that works through till about I don't know thirty six. Women maybe? have high status because of how they like look. Yeah, they're hot. And they're yeah, hot. yeah, yeah, they, and they have enough money, whatever. Right. Yeah. So like uh, that works till about thirty six, and right. then for women it falls apart. Right. That's how you see dudes who like. Yeah, right. And then, but then men are they're yeah. going up and up and up because they're killing yeah. it at work, and they want to compete. They've got all this testosterone. That's how they're, Donald Trump gets Melania. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. They're, they're killing it at work, right. and like at that point. At 36, she just became obsolete relative to her yes, fertility. It's over. Right, right. And so then then the woman's just, she's just stuck. Well, and there's younger women who are more attractive. Right. And that's one of the, yeah. right, exactly. And that's why, like, you remember that there's this SNL skit where they say, meet your second wife. I've and, seen that one. Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. It like has a woman host and there's these guys and they're all married right now. Yeah. But they're meeting their future second wife. Yeah. And it's like, they bring out this girl and she's 10. You know? <laughs> and then that's for the last so guy, messed. for the last guy, they yeah. bring out this like, She's like a co-ed at a college. She's like this hot frat girl yeah. or like sorority girl. Yeah. And the guy's like, oh, phew. Right. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. she's, she's like, um, you don't know this, but, um, she was at a frat party and she conceived a child and she's carrying <laughs> your second wife. She's carrying. Oh, she's carrying. She's your, carrying okay, the baby so in her fun. womb that's is so your second funny. wife. Yeah. yeah. She's carrying. Be- and the, because it's like oh. one of the things that annoys women is yeah. that when men divorce their wives, mm. they often either marry women who are less attractive, but who are doting on them. Who like, yeah. so like when men marry their secretaries or like a woman at work who was right. like, just was so supportive. Right. right. So sometimes that's the divorce dynamic is yeah. you've got the killer wife, mm-hmm. but who just is a ball buster. And the guy's yeah. like, I'm sick of fighting with you to be respected. Right. And he moves to a woman who he's respected. Who already is like, well, like respects him like in the workplace usually. Right. And because well, cause she's, men long to be right. valued. And honored for being the hero. But generally, it plays itself out again because in the workplace, the secretary has to respect the boss. Right. And so, but they often do they, because they often they do are in a. They they're often like it. younger, yeah. and they mm-hmm. see the boss person as like a somebody, thing. yeah, or yeah. like under a lot of stress, or who's keeping the company together, yeah. or who like mm-hmm. is fighting. Like, like at my job, like I'm the senior yeah. pastor guy, and I have right. there's younger women on our staff team, and like they, I think they respect me. Yes. Right. right. Because and like, but that's well, probably not no, right. Kidding. Because and part of it is like because yeah. every guy, yeah. Wants to be a hero. Right. 
right? That's yes. part of testosterone right. and risk and fear yeah. and going out into the world. You want to be Hercules. You want to be the dude who just like takes down the dragon. Right. Why does, why is every archetypal male figure in basically every story a hero? Yeah. Right. Until now, there's a lot of, right. <laughs> yeah. Until now. Right. Yeah. And, and part of it was, I will risk my life for you. Woman, yes. Right. If you will say, when I pick you up after I've killed dragon, right. my hero, mm-hmm. uh, that's what Superman is. I right. mean, that's literally, and he's the Superman. So, right. Yeah. So like, but I think, but I think this, that's fundamental. And I don't think women understand that, right. that like, to, there is no way in which a woman can have more power. Than well, that. can we say that's what Jesus was like? Also, like Jesus was the one who became the hero. Like, right. That was right. What is it? What is accepting Jesus, but saying yeah. to the one who has rescued you, my you're my hero. hero. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I want to be I want to be like you, like yes. I'll, and I'll follow you anywhere. And right? I want to help you. Like mm-hmm. that's what the church's job as the bride is to help right. Jesus. I will to, be your helper yes. as we take dominion over sin yes. together. Right, and right. you help me, and I follow yeah. your leadership. Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah, and so every man wants to be that hero. Right. That's yeah. why little kids play with fake sword sticks, and like they love knights and shining armor, and yeah. they want to slay dragons, and they want to yeah. shoot guns, and they want to blah blah blah. That's right. one of the reasons why I do not think we should have stopped making toy guns. No. I think kids should have toy air. Kids are gonna, and I think they should be rolling yeah. around their houses, pretending to shoot bad playing guys, playing like cops and robbers and crap like that. Because I don't think it makes them violent. I think it no. embraces something in their masculinity, oh, and by where they the say, way, "I want to be a hero. I'll face is, any danger with my competence and courage, yeah. and I will fight it for you." What did we switch it out for? It's like we switch it out Video for games. literally for yeah. Call of Duty, where you're like yeah. graphically murdering people. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's so what, we've taken all the imagination out of yeah. it and the physical activity. Yes, right. Like, like when so, I shot bad guys as a kid with my stick gun. Yes, I was running all over yeah. 180 acres of land, exactly. doing so and using my imagination. Exactly. Right. Now you just go sit down at like a lazy yeah. sloth and kill people on the TV yeah. and watch their blood and guts. So one of the things the church the can do is give out toy guns. No, I, yeah. just, <laughs> no, just, yeah. I don't Start, think that's private. So High Point's going to be spending money on starting a toy gun manufacturing. Toy gun manufacturing. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, but one, one thing though I do encourage is I think that you want men in the nursery Yeah. and men in the earliest childhood possible and you want contexts in which kids can play rough with adults. Right. Especially little boys. Mm-hmm. Now it turns out little girls love it too. And I don't think little girls should be segregated out of it. Right. But what happens though is, is because we think girl behavior is good behavior and bad boy behavior is bad behavior. Mm-hmm. What happens is then we assume girls don't want to play rough and then girls don't even get to play rough. Right. Whereas psychologists have demonstrated over and over again that rough and tumble play is one of the most important things in early childhood development. So like for, what, for men and women, men, for, boys yeah, and girls. Boys and girls yeah, yeah. Because you learn rules about physical contact and all yeah. kinds of things like that. Yeah. And, and you learn about your own body and the physicality yeah. of your own body and girls right. need to, everybody needs to learn that. Not just boys. Yeah. Right. And yeah, so it was always frustrating when there was a girl on the other football team. Like I, I like, like growing up, sometimes there'd be like a random girl that would play on, on the other team. Yeah. And I was like, I went through puberty before everybody else. So yeah. I was just way better. And there's this girl, little girl that I had to go against. And I was just like, if her. I run her over, she's going to die. She could potentially die. So like I could literally it, injure her. Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. Like I did. And I, and then, and then as a boy, like as a, like a 13 year old boy, I'm like, I don't know how to interact with what I just, like, I just destroyed this little girl. Like, and I like, how are you supposed to deal with that? I don't know. Like, right. You don't, wanna... hopefully she learned something about feminism. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. but no, I mean like, but, but part of it, but also I believe that <laughs> men are trash, that, yeah. I, but I also believe that it was an advance in our society to have women play sports. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, think so I, I, but I think that we also then ruined it by making sports essentially a profession and destroying everybody's joints, especially well, women's and trying to make it out that like, and just trying to push this idea that like, I'm sorry, like the WNBA and the NBA are similar. Like they're, the men are just better. They're not, the they're not even playing the same sport. No. Right. Yeah, the WNBA, like there's high school. Nothing proves the differences between yes. men and women physically more than 
men's and women's professional sports. I'm going to just say this on, on the air it's right It's crazy. Now. My high school basketball team could beat almost any WNBA team. I'm going to just say that. There's no that's way. That's probably we, true. That's absolutely true. Now, some of those women are really tall. They're, they're tall, but like they don't have the, the, the bounce. They, they don't, don't have the fast right, twitch muscles. That's what fast yeah. twitch muscles. Exactly. So yeah. that's not to say yeah. that women aren't good at that sport. But 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 it, but it goes back to that original point I made a while back. And then we need to get back to what the church can do. Yeah, then we no. keep, But like... <laughs> But like women can play basketball. Women can yeah. get the basketball in the net. Yes, it's not like they can't. It's a competitive do that. thing. Yeah, it's just like the competitive advantage right. goes to men. Mm-hmm. And in things like war, where a two percent competitive mm-hmm. advantage is the difference between life and death, then you're going to want to go with the you want to go with men. Yes, for the most part. That's exactly. why I like. I'm all for like as egalitarian a military as we can get in everything but combat. Right. Like, I like. I think women should be in the military, absolutely, yes. in all kinds of roles. But I think in the, some of the roles where absolute where, decisiveness is necessary yes. mm-hmm. and heroic risk is necessary, yeah. I think men distributionally yeah. will be more prone to that, which means I think if you're going to have women in those roles, you have yeah. to have very good psychological tests to yeah. be sure that that woman is in the distribution of women that is that are more like the average and man than just the average woman. Like, it feels like a society is willing to put their women out there yeah, to but die. I just, I just don't think women should be in frontline combat, no, like infantry right. combat. I just, I think that's no place. Well, for that women. just says how, like, that, it, like, men in our society don't want to protect the women, and so it's like, hey, you get to go out there and get like shot up and killed. Like, I don't think that it's a good idea. Like you said, yeah, let them be the engineers behind the scenes and doing all these other things and whatever. But mm-hmm. if, if we need like men, and, and the problem is now is that our men are without the the uh, testosterone now. Mm-hmm. There were. 40% less. It's like, if we get into a war right now, my generation is going to be of little help. Like right. we're going to like run away. Yeah. But there are places cry. in the country that like the, the rural parts of the country produce a lot of masculine. Absolutely. Men yeah. Because totally. those men do stuff with their bodies. And right. They're, used to doing they're on the farm and doing things. Yeah. 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 That's why the majority of our great. soldiers come from the South. Yes. I mean, just frankly, it's just a fact. Yeah. And so, so when I say, I don't think the uh, infantry yeah. back combat is any place for women. I, I mean, there may be some ex- like radical exceptions, it's but it's like one in 10,000 or one in a hundred thousand. Right. Women. Yeah. And I frankly think most of those, women are better used elsewhere like if you have a woman who can literally fight frontline combat she can carry 140 pounds she's mentally capable of that then she should probably be a spy or something right where like as a woman she can use her feminine wiles on top of her incredible physical capacity to do things that are much more strategic than that like those women assets i think are way too valuable yeah like because they're so rare just be throwing out there yeah why would you make her an infantry soldier and what my understanding is every man acts differently in an infantry unit with a woman in it yeah because we can't help but be their hero. Right. And so like yeah. if something were to happen to that woman, mm-hmm. the mentality about go, caring for her is different. Yes. So, um, and maybe you can train that out of people. I don't know. But, I, so, yeah, but I, but, so I would say this, those views of my military, those are my beliefs and they could be wrong. Yes. Those are not the same as like ex, my exegesis of Genesis two. Yeah. So, okay. So relative to the church. So I think rough and tumble play with young kids. Yeah. I think getting men in children's ministry is real important. Right. Um, men's men's ministries are usually not getting the kind of attention they deserve. They need in churches because there are more women in every church that aren't working. Right. So there's a lot of women who work, but in churches, there's always a group of women who aren't working. Yeah. Those women have leisure to focus on women's ministries. And mm-hmm. so women's ministries tend to be more robust in churches. Yeah. So men's ministries aren't. So if usually if you don't use staff time on the church mm-hmm. to make a robust men's ministry, it's not going to happen. Well, that's probably why. And men's ministries are often patterned after women's ministries. They're like right. Bible studies, whereas mm-hmm. men usually want to go do things. Yeah. Right. So most, I think more men's ministries are often more successful when they go do things like they build stuff or they work on right. things. And then are they like the men's retreat where they go like play football, like I like do. Yeah, do I think that should be part of it. Stuff like that. Right. And then also, I think men's mentoring often doesn't get as much attention right. either. Okay. So well, that's we, what we were doing. I mean, you would make me go cut down trees with you right. when we would go do that. Yeah. And, and then we would talk. 
and we would talk while you're right. doing the thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And you learn how to use a chainsaw and stuff like that and, more, and a little bit better and cut things. And stuff yeah. Like that. that was sweet. So, um, okay. So let me say something that some of the women might like too. One of the, 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 areas, the three that are still, <laughs> yeah, three are, yeah. So one of the things that, well, just Andrea will hear this. Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Andrea. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I think is important is that, um, men's discipleship is going to have to help men have a more robust emotional life. Yeah. Because we struggle, men can sometimes struggle because because we want to be heroes. Yeah. We don't want to be weak. And mm-hmm. then areas in our psychology that we don't know how to grapple with well, they feel like weaknesses because in some ways they are. Yeah. And so what we say is I'm not, I need to, I need to like, like compartmentalize this. I need to like, this can't slow me down. Right. But what happens is, is that we're, we don't end up being as emotionally robust as we need to be. And yet the, the, the great men of the Bible, some of, well, not all of them, but most of them, I would say were very emotionally robust. So, um, HRR Tolkien patterned, uh, obviously yes. that's not the Bible, but you said this he, in a previous, one yeah, but he patterned Aragorn after David in right. the sense of his capacity to weep mm-hmm. and his love for poetry. Right. That like, that Aragorn was like this utterly masculine Westernese yeah. man who like could, would would face down right. anything in a fight, and yet he was capable. He loved the old stories, yeah. the poetry of the romances, the the tragic mm-hmm. songs, mm-hmm. the history of the humanness of his people, and all that kind yeah. of thing. And that shaped him as this emotionally robust. Right. So that the most important thing about him when he became king was that this old woman said, "Oh, remember the proverb: We right. will know when the true king comes mm-hmm. because there will be healing in his hands." Hmm. Yeah. And so Aragorn comes and fights this war. Right. But the thing where that made the people kind of go, oh, this is the true king is when he went into the house of healing and healed people. Yeah. Right. When you found that the, the warrior was a healer, that he yeah. was both, that was the pinnacle of masculine leadership. Right. And, and, the, and so mm-hmm. I think some men are trading the sword for the herb. Mm-hmm. They want, they want to be kind of like just the healer guy, right. but you that's not the call of masculinity. Well, this is this. I don't think. I, this was one of the points of you did a sermon series like maybe a year or two ago on Christmas, uh, Jesus Christ and the incarnate warrior, mm-hmm. um, and it's like the weird ways that we think about. Like, <clears throat> it feels like Jesus has thought about in a lot of um, cultures and societies relative to what they think about men, mm-hmm. and so like in this society, it's like Jesus the healer and he heals me and he heals everything. Yeah. But it's also like yeah, he's, he's also Jesus. Like, it's Jesus the psychologist now. Yeah, he's a psychologist, but he's like yeah. Well, and the social work advocate, right? And yeah. and yeah, yeah, right. Jesus he's as gonna, a psychologist, social work advocate. He's like, going to be protesting yeah. and all these things. And yeah, every like, woman wants that guy. Yeah, every guy wants to follow him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so, but like the incarnate warrior thing was like you did a whole one on blood, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Just like we don't want to talk about blood, and this is like, I, it just is interesting because it's like I think Jesus Christ plays obviously plays out the emotional mm-hmm. like poetic david and like david and jesus christ like david is yeah like i mean it, it is about jesus that the prophet says a bruised reed he won't break yeah. and a smoldering wick he won't burn out yeah so like there is no i don't know of a more a better metaphor for for gentleness yeah right of not being domineering than that right and yet jesus is the one with the two-edged sword coming out of his mouth that you you he will roll up the bloody cloth of the yeah. battle. And he like right. he, I mean, he is also yeah. like the conquering yeah. Aragorn. I mean, he and is, so how do men get into that? Um, that like double, like that. I don't know. Cause I think about when you're talking about that, it was interesting. Cause I, I always felt like my, myself particularly was more on the side of like, 
the like warrior who's going to go kill everybody, even mm-hmm. if he shouldn't <laughs> like that's and, right. But it was interesting when I was in high school, we did this thing on poetry. We did this like in my, one of my senior year, like one of the times I went to class, the teacher, we were doing poetry this time. And I was like, I'm not doing poetry. Poetry's stupid. And right. the, and my teacher was like, can you just please try? Just try. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, okay. So I tried doing poetry and I ended up being like, like, remarkably really really good at it and mm-hmm. i was like wow, i'm like really good and i was like teaching other kids how to do it and yeah. stuff like that and i was like where did this it used weird to be part thing... of the education of everyone in america including men most men yeah. over 60 memorized poems in school yeah and it, well mm-hmm. my question was like where did this come from because this is not what dudes should be doing like that's what right. my thought well, was no, immediately. It's, it's, it's part of anglo-saxon educational history it's part of like white yeah. british people yeah, because because, the thing is because that, part, that was part of the ro- romantic history of the medieval. Yes, and I didn't know writing, that, that was like in, morning poetry and that right. kind of stuff. Yeah, and so as a man, I didn't know that was in me. I was like, yeah. th- what is going on with me? Like, am well, I getting what, what more feminine a, I mean, or like what? I mean, see, this is the difference between like Chaucer and um, who's the guy who wrote Old Man in the Sea? I've, and the Poots from the Bell Tolls and oh, um, who the Bell Tolls? Crap, I can't think of his name right now. What's it from? Who the bell? For who, for whom the bell tolls, or the old man of the sea? Hemingway, uh, er, Ernest, Ernest Hemingway. Hemingway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like Hemingway was like an atheist, and yeah. he was an existentialist, and he just didn't believe life really had meaning other than the meaning you ascribed to it. Okay. Yeah. And um, Chaucer believed that there was a great romance of God and everything. Right. Yeah. What makes a man take a sword and get on a horse and ride against an army and fight? Right. Right. And and the, is it existential belief in nothingness? <laughs> Or is it the romance of mm-hmm. kith and kin of mm-hmm. grounded soil? Like, like yeah. I realize that yeah. some of the terrible nationalist supremacies <laughs> that some people are giving themselves to are called blood and soil supremacies. Nazism was mm-hmm. a blood and soil supremacy. Yeah, but the thing nationalism he, can yeah. be, can become this the right, over- and that's one of the things. Thing. But it's but it's also like it's not like blood and soil are not romantic things. I mean, that's one of the reasons. That's like. Yeah. Well, the problem with Nazism, it was it was a romanticism gone bad. It's not that romanticism is bad. Right. Right. Like right. there is a kind of way in which women can like be devoted to men who beat them. And you're like, that's not that's good not romance. Good. Yeah. But there's another way a woman can be ro- can be devoted to their man who has problems and isn't perfect. Right. But is a good man. Which is what you would call marriage. Right. Yeah. You, call, you would call that love. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. And yeah. so like similarly, like people fought for their blood and soil. They right. fought for their kin and their homeland. Right. And that was, that's, that is nothing is more fundamentally good than that. And yet yeah. to believe that your blood and homeland is better than everybody else's. And so you should kill them all yeah. and take over their land and, kill, yeah. and spill their blood right. is, a, is yeah. like one of the worst things a human being can do. Yeah. And so that sense of discernment that right. yes, no mm-hmm. is fundamental to every right. form of leadership, yeah. which is fundamental to responsibility. Right. So fundamental to masculinity mm-hmm. is the ability to come into a complicated situation, say yes and no right. to cut off that ghoul's head and then to recognize this is a girl you need to pick up and save right you know yeah. and and that's like or this man is an enemy and this man is wounded yes and and, and be able to see the difference so mm-hmm. like in in my church work i have to look at a man who is a wolf in sheep's clothing and say no mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. see another man who's acting like a wolf out of a kind of hurt that i should try to help heal yeah and say i'm gonna treat you different than you and that's right. my job Right, right. I'm right. gonna, I'm gonna cut that guy's head off, and I'm gonna hit you with the flat head of my side of my sword <laughs> yeah. to knock you down, and then I'm gonna pick you up and try to help you. Right, right. So, so because of that, I think, I think mentoring programs for men are incredibly right. important in the church. Yeah, I think, and I think it's, I think, mentoring programs that are intergenerational, yes. between men, is probably the most important thing. Well, I, I don't think anything else is, is, is yeah. in my eyes, it's not acceptable because there are. You mean not having that is unacceptable? 
Well, or not what? having that is no, but but any other type of like if it's you're in the same generation and you're doing mentorship, yeah. you're not doing mentorship, you're doing accountability. Like there's not much that I can learn from another from another person my age, mm-hmm. um, spiritually, like yeah. in wisdom, because they don't they haven't lived in life experiences. And I think that this yeah. all comes back to You men- can learn conceptually if somebody has something clearer than you. Oh, and, and but yeah, in terms of what knowledge. we sometimes yeah. call impartation. Yeah. That like there is a holistic giving that's more than just conceptual. Yeah. And that is something that is that is a, in a sense a spiritual gift for one generation to the other. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, Thanks. and and I think it all comes back to the idea of like men learning how to be comprehensive, and 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 that's a that is, I don't want to say that I feel like that's part of sanctification. It's part of learning yeah. how to have the mind of Christ, and that Jesus was thinking about all a bunch of these different things while he was on earth that we we don't even know. We we don't we just know that like some of the things that he was thinking about, but he was probably thinking about infinite amount of things and how these things are all connected mm-hmm. and. As men yeah. and women, we should all be working towards that and stop compartmentalizing all these things yeah. to make everything easier on us so we can be lazy. Basically. Yeah, and I think this is also one of those areas where we need to recognize that the direct teaching of our culture about masculinity is a dumpster fire. Yeah. Both the passivity, girlish, churlish, <coughs> like unmasculine teachings of hyperfeminisms. Yeah. Though feminism has taught us about some excesses in mm-hmm. masculine views. Oh, but yeah. But then also the boorish... Like, you know, if I have an AR-15, I'm a man. Kind of yeah. like ultra-masculine stuff, right. which also wants to make its way into the church as well. Right. I think I, I want, I'm holding out a stiff arm against that the same as the other. Yeah. And I think both of those... Because a lot of those men probably shouldn't have an AR-15. Are they, ex- oh, yes. They're not. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I, the problem is, is that if... But if you tell men they're girls, or if they don't act like oh. girls, they're bad men, they're going to go out and, and they're going to say, who will give me an AR-15? Like yeah. the whole, that whole like crazy right thing that all the yeah. left people on left are so concerned right. about. They made it. Yeah. They created that. Right. And right. If you're going to tell me that, that I'm not a man, like what am I going to go do? I'm you're going to listen to somebody who tells you you are. Yeah. And right. then you're going to go do the thing that seems to be like the most manly thing, which is like buy a gun and like God knows what you're going to do right. with it. If you don't know what. Right. The same thing. If it. like, if, if you're told, if you're like a white man and yeah. you're told from your youth that basically that you're what's wrong with the world. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're a man and the fact that you're white. Yeah. Well, and that you're Christian if you're going to embrace yourself, right. you're going to have to literally believe the opposite. Yes. So what you're right. going to, what you're probably going to believe right. is you're, unless somebody says, no, you know, what's best about you right. is that you're a man and that you're white. Mm-hmm. Your whiteness is a beautiful thing. Right. And why don't you become like, like study your history and like be right. proud of your whiteness or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like on one level, like culturally, that's, that's fine. Like, you know, yeah, if, you know, like, be, like knowing your history, if your background mm-hmm. is British and being proud of it is fine. Yeah. But like, but you don't, you don't really you don't really want that about whiteness in the wrong kind of way. Like you got to be real <laughs> careful with that, right? It's yeah. kind of like Black history. It's kinda, it's like well, you know, we we need to know our history. Yeah, that's great. That's great. It's, but like, there's also a way history, to whitewash right? your history. I know it's ironic to say about Black history, but you can do it with with any with ethnicity. Any, yeah. There's a way to whitewash your history and look at only the noble stuff and say, right. oh, look how great we were. Right. Not look at the bad stuff right. and say, look, we're better than everybody else. Which seems to be like the leftist argument against conservatives, and that conservatives like. Um, they they basically like idealize American history and like oh this is the sh- they like we had two hundred years of everything was absolutely amazing and nothing was terrible. I mean you, you see that a you're lot. saying conservatives conservatives do this yeah, sometimes. where it's like the United States like yeah like we messed up with slavery but like we got back on track. <laughs> it's yeah. like well you did that you messed about, up with slavery well, for like a hundred years. Right? Yeah, like right. the whole thing is about proportion. Right. Like how much do you say America? did bad stuff and how much right. do you say America did good stuff? Right, and, and then how much should you say like from the from the stance of uh maybe the president or whatever, like with you want your people to be proud of your country and to like have some pride and, and, and some nationalism. Like there's some right. good, 
good ways in doing that. So you probably have to have the majority to be positive from that right. perspective. You than can't negative. have a country without patriotism. Yeah, people are like, I you, hate this place. Things can be really bad if you have the wrong kind of nationalism. You're going to get a civil war. Yeah. yeah, yeah. and so, I mean, this gets back to the whole, like, what does it even mean to be an American? And nobody believes the same thing. But oh, this is, yeah. this is yeah. similar to, to men and women. What does it mean to be a man and a woman, and how should men and women relate in marriage? Like, you actually need a comprehensive theology of that and i think that the church has to has to provide that yeah i think because the culture is such a dumpster fire yeah relative right. to sexual identity and right. hu- and not just sexual identity but human nature um right. I, I, a, a liberal friend of mine sent me um david brooks's latest article in the atlantic about like how he thinks like conservatism is kind of lost and oh, but yeah. yet how he still loves conservatism huh. and one of the things he said in it was the reason i went from being a socialist to a conservative in the first place was because i thought that conservatism and, and mainly in its Burkean, more Christian form. Yeah. Uh, that's a subset of conservatism. Yeah. Understood human nature more correctly. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's true. I think mm-hmm. that, that right now in our culture, not only that the view of human nature, and then therefore, because of that, the view of the genders, both of those are dumpster fires. Right. And so nobody can live their life with uh, with true flourishing if you say okay right. your view of what you are as a human is wrong mm-hmm. your view of what you are as a man or a woman is totally wrong it's a complete dumpster fire yeah now accept jesus and everything's going to go great yeah no when you accept jesus he has to completely re-educate you right relative to your humanity and your and what it means to be a man or a woman right and yeah. i think the church has to explicitly mm-hmm. do that in its mm-hmm. teaching i think it yeah. needs classes i think we need to write books i think right. we need to do studies i think we right. need to like literally impart this and i think we need to impart it earlier rather than later in a way that's highly empowering towards women right. i don't we do i do not want a sexist context because there is something to the fact like i, I but know, one that is also highly empowering towards men right but like progressive feminist christian movement like they over romanticize like jesus like he like empowered women and like in a way that nobody ever, like he did mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, and it, but it's like, that wasn't the sole purpose of his ministry. And that's what they make their sole purpose. of. was just like women, like Jesus came to empower women. Like that's yeah. not what he did. That was a, yeah. that was a, a, a result like in a way that like, yeah, now, now the words of women are carrying more weight because mm-hmm. Christ is in them and, and, and they can wear these, like you said, and, in a and different, Jesus did, I think undermine some of the cultural assumptions about the place of women. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And be- that be- because all hierarchies go corrupt. And if men have a right. hierarchical race, with women, right. they will corrupt it. Absolutely. And so Jesus is going to always right. push against, corruption right which means he's going to empower women he's going to empower the poor he's going to empower people who aren't better right. than the other people right. but they're the people that are always right. getting the short end of the stick in the corruption of the hierarchy and it comes back to what was you like looking at jesus's life what was his what was his pri- primary focus and then what but, were yeah what were the things jesus that wasn't like, undermining masculinity no he was just empowering right. feminine and his and primary, to him those weren't those weren't absolutely. opposite he right. still wanted men to be wet men right. he just wanted them to treat women better and and the primary focus of jesus as a as a man on earth was to do the will of god and mm-hmm. not it wasn't to right what it wasn't to like undermine masculinity yeah. or empower femininity like it was just yeah. to do the will of god as a result and this is what i think is like this this is something that i think young people like need to get through their heads and i needed to get through my head is that if you tr- if if you don't do the thing that I, paul talks about of in first importance if you don't if you're not pursuing the will of God and the gospel of Christ first and foremost, and you pursue something differently, even so, even if it's like pursuing, like not watching porn over that, you're going to be doing the wrong thing. Like you, you have to do this. And as a result of that, these other things will kind of like trickle off of them. And some, it doesn't mean that you don't focus on not watching porn. Like you shouldn't watch porn, but yeah, but most if, people who are addicted to you porn, you become a stoic though, because you're like, I need to like stop, doing this thing and then it doesn't produce the fruit that 
per, uh, yeah. pursuing the gospel would produce. Yeah. So like the porn thing is a classic example. So this is a good example of something in particular. Yeah. It's a it's an example of, of a way in which a wrong hypermasculinity has persisted even in the midst of a feminized masculinity. Yeah. So you have men who in some ways their masculinity has been feminized. Right. And yet they have a problem and hypermasculinity would say, don't get help for the deep thing relative to the problem. Just be strong. Yes. And so what they do is like, well, I'm just going to not yeah. watch porn. Right. And then you like resist and it. It with doesn't, your... it doesn't really work. What, 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 yeah. the, pro the reason why you're addicted to porn is because you're, you have something has gotten deformed in your humanity. Yeah. Right. Like you got hurt. You're right. carrying a wound. You were right. traumatized. Like a lot of people yeah. who have strong addictions to porn men actually have experienced trauma. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. now femininity would say, mm -hmm. get help. Yeah. Like there's all these other people who love you yeah. in, in in this little tribe of fellow right. nurturers. Right. And if you open yourself in real intimacy and openness, they'll help you. Right. right. Brene, Brene Brown. Right. Classic right. female ideology. Right? Yeah. And they're right. Right. And masculinity is like, no, nope, I'm going to just, just tough it out. Yeah. I'm going to tough it out. And then they never end up toughing it out. It's like you toughed it out for two days. Right. You never yeah. beat porn. Right. Be right. Because the thing is, the reason you need the porn is because of the dissociative Something's, avoidance yeah. in your heart because of the trauma you experienced. Right. And you need you need a helper to bring that out of you. Without an Azair, you can't succeed. Right. Now that Azair might not be a wife. It might be a counselor in this case, or a mentor, or somebody who knows how to bring the hands of healing to you. Right. right? Um, but that's what you need. And one of the things that men and so one of the things that's terrible about the dumpster fire of masculinity presently is right. it feminizes men in all the wrong ways. Yeah. And then it hypermasculinizes men in all in, the wrong in ways. The wrong ways. And right. you get like this perfectly right. wrong man. Right. And the th here's the thing I think is important to say, to, especially to younger men, mm -hmm. it's not their fault. Yes. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, it's not really their fault. I right. mean, there's some sort of our, our consumerism of and yeah. mediaism right. and the crap our boomers, yeah. our boomer university professors teach, <laughs> and our movement towards the social sciences over the humanities, for yeah. example, right. to understand these like little tiny particulars without recognizing the warp and woof of the romantic nature of masculine life, like all like materialism and secularism right. and irreligious, all these irreligious drivers that have come from. Um, the Nietzschean revolution of the turn of the 20th century and, and, and things related to that. Mm -hmm. It's been horrible yeah. for understanding your humanity. And like right. Gen Xers or Gen, Gen Z, or Gen Y and Gen Z, they have grown up in a culture in which the witness for a different kind of humanity yeah. is unhearable. Yeah. Like where would you hear anybody talking about a different kind of humanity? Right. And the answer is like basically nowhere. Like yeah. it's like YouTube is increasingly outlawing it. <laughs> like, like right. they have rules now where like if you do a gun video, yeah. you can't pick up a gun in the video. Really? Yeah. On YouTube, you can't yeah. pick up a gun. You can't man quote manufacture ammunition, which means like if you do a reloading video, how to like reload thirty out six, demonetized. Really? Like be because you're trying to get people to kill kill each other, right? It's like this kind That's of like crazy. hyper yes, like hyper progressivist right. like anything you do affects other people, and so nothing right, right. and yet like. Al Qaeda can have a channel. You know what I mean? That kind of deal. Absolutely. You know, right. It's just the weirdest. <laughs> right yeah. yeah. It's a, so, but right. like part of it is, is you just get, the problem is, is that if you don't understand, you'll become worst. You'll become bad in all the wrong ways. It's and kind of like, is, it's kind of like the average man yeah. who can't, won't fight a burglar, but will be his wife. Like the, exactly. the good progressivist right. man who then can't control his temper and at some point like starts abusing his wife and ultimately right. hits her. And yeah. you're kind of like, what the frick just happened? And yeah. you're like, well, here's what happened. Right. And if somebody breaks into the house, he's going to like put his wife out in front. Like, here right. you go, take her. Right. Because here's yeah. the thing. This man that you yeah. are forming in this culture is a man. Yes. And there are ways in which that's irreducible. Right. And yet you're, you're not forming it into a man. Right. So like all his latent masculinity right. is left to form itself. Right. And you're then like repressing it with all this like 
deformed femininity. Right. It, what you're creating is like a human being that doesn't know how to be human. And and what it does, I think, and things that, that I've talked to a bunch of like young men and women about, like it creates this weird, this weird dynamic between, between men and women where, where women my age, like don't think that men feel and they want men to feel mm-hmm. and they don't think that they feel. So it's like when you reject a man for a first date, he feels like crap. Now <laughs> I think what he should do is he should yeah. be like, I think the man should take some initiative and grow a pair and go to the woman and be like, Hey, like, why did you say you don't want to go on a date with me? Mm-hmm. Ask the question that you're probably most afraid of asking. And, and don't ask her over text. Don't, no, so you can go, go up to her face bravery. and say it. Hey, why, why did you say no to me? Have her give an answer because the women are also very cowardly too. It's mm-hmm. like, I was trying to be nice to you that I didn't like you. It's like, that's not nice. He's, it's, it's, the, that's the main answer that I hear from women. It's like, mm-hmm. I said no because I wanted to be nice because he didn't have a chance. It's like, you not giving him like what if that first date would have been would have been really good and it would have like shocked you what if you, like you not you don't know if he doesn't have a chance like come on mm-hmm. but that that women think that men don't have feelings and men they play into that and it's like no I think the man should be like yeah that actually like really hurt me for x y and z so that the female knows wait a second what I do causes pain to people mm-hmm. and I can't just say hey I'm gonna do this to be nice because it's actually not really nice and. I think, yeah, I, so, man, I think that's, I would not encourage people in my church to behave that way. What? To, to ask the question for a man to go up to the woman and ask the question? Generally. Why not? I, I think, because I think it's young extremely men difficult for a woman in that position to tell the truth. Well, then she, sh- well, then you have a problem with the people in your church because if they're not willing to tell the truth. Like I know it's like a big thing or whatever. No, but I mean, if it's like, I don't, I don't like you. Like then she has to re-hurt him. And I think that compassion, I think, cause here's the thing. What, what if you believe that, but women, why doesn't she what if like, you believe that women have a natural intuitive disposition to be more nurturing? They don't like hurting things, but what I would including say, even men they're rejecting. Yeah. I don't totally, why they tell don't, her she has to do it again. I don't. I, so here's what I've seen. I don't think that that's generally true. I think that women like, and people love hurting things. Like I think that they tell themselves that they don't, but when it comes to something that they generally really hate, like there's been so many people. Yes, at I high think there point, are some women who are more flippant about rejection and because in rejecting a man, they are getting flattered well, they should while ask, they are rejecting yeah. a man. I, that's, I think that some people are flippant, about, but I think, I don't understand. I don't know that that's the best way for men to become more emotionally conversant. I think that it could be a start. Well, I think men, well, it's building assertiveness. I it's, think men, here's what, here's what I think most men, most men that I know of that are rejected by more than one woman. There's two ways I think to handle this. Hmm. Here's the thing. Every married woman in the church knows why you're getting rejected. Okay. So like I've, I've had, I had, for example, my wife yeah. who's married to me, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, we've had a couple of men that were just like, they're not getting women. Right. Yeah. And, um, uh, in fact, one, one example of this, you remember Vince Pierre? Yes, yeah. Okay. So before Vince was married, so he's like 30 and isn't married. Right. And yeah. he's like, I want to get married and I don't know what's going on. Right. Yeah. So I was like, Vince, just talk to Alexi. Just ask her why you ask my wife, why you're not married. Yeah. And so he did. I, and I really respect him for that. He's like, all right, I'll do it. We'll see what yeah, happens. He's over right. at the house. We're throwing wood or something like that. And, and he, like, I just want to say for people who don't know, like Lexi can be intimidating. Like I am intimidated. Yeah. I was intimidated. Yeah, well, she can yeah. handle me. Right. Yeah, so like, right. you know, <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, so she, he sits down at the counter and he's like, he's like, Alexi, why am I not married? And she's like, well, tell me why you, cause Lexi's a listener. Yeah. Okay. So she'll be like, um, well, why do you think you're not married? Or how yeah. do you feel? So she asked him some questions and then she's like, okay, do you really want me to tell you? why you're not married. And yeah. he's like, well, well, yeah. Yeah. Right. And then Nick said these three things and she's like, okay, those are all right. Yeah. Here's some other ones. Right. And she basically like just read his mail. 
yeah. about why a woman want, wouldn't want to bind herself to him. Right. Because she's it turns out she's a woman. Yeah. Right. And so like he got all the information he needed. Right. He didn't have to go confront some girl. Yeah. Who felt insecure about right? He he went to a married woman and said why why am I not married? Well, right. Because she okay. knows. Yes. Okay. And, and most yeah. of the guys know who are married because they yes. got married. Right. They know what women yeah. want and they right. gave it to one. Right. And so he he. So your argument would be like maybe instead of just going through the whole thing with like asking the girl, don't ask her. Go ask somebody yeah. who's and I. Okay, look, I want to say yes, I agree with. Now I, there have I been a couple that that cases where well. it didn't make sense to me as the pastor, and like to, a to like a woman wife. or a man was like heartbroken. They're like, I don't know. And I was like, okay, do you want me to go ask the people? But listen, I'll. I'm just gonna tell you generally, and you can't say anything. Mm-hmm. And so I, there have a couple. There have been a couple people, men and women. Who I've gone to and I've said, hey, um, so-and-so asked you out. You said no. That's totally fine that you said no. Why? Um, but that person is trying to get their life together. They'd like to find somebody. Yeah. And they believe that you know your own yeah. mind, right? And that you were right to say no. Right. But there's probably a reason right. that he'd like to work on so yeah. that he can find a wife. Yeah. Will you tell me what it is? Right. 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 And then, you, and usually it's more than one girl. Like they've asked out two or three girls. Right. So I'll go to all three and I'll, as a pastor and I'll just be like, hey, just tell me what it is. And I'll, and I'll be very discreet, mm-hmm. right? And then I'll go to my wife. Sometimes or somebody, a married woman who knows that guy. Mm-hmm. And I say, here's the things that those women told me. Mm-hmm. I won't name their names. I'll say right. about this guy. Do you think those are correct? Right. And she'll go. And usually go, the married woman will go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll be like, OK, so I'm going to talk with so and so. You and I, the married woman and I will talk with so and so. Yeah. And then that married woman will explain to that guy. And so he'll get the feedback he needs. But I don't I don't like to put the women on the spot like that. Well, I, I, the reason I, why, I just, why I said that and I'm is not because saying they don't, some of them don't deserve it. The well, problem is, I think is that, a lot of the women of my generation like very much do deserve it. Yeah, like they're just mean and angry people in the church. And I'm saying it because it's like, again, these are the same women who will go out and try to find the most cowardly man that they can so they can control them. Like it happens over and over. I can't yeah. tell you how many, how many times that happens. I know that people don't want to hear this and I sound like a complete a-hole while I'm saying I, well, I mean, I mean, I think that. But I can't. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that, like a bunch already, and I'm only 22. It's just going to get worse. I think our guys. I think our guys are really struggling, though. Yes, and I think they're struggling. I don't think a good a good way to deal with the struggling and I think man they feel, is to take advantage. of I that. think that some of those the guys that are really struggling feel beat up by conversations like this because it sounds mm-hmm. like we're just yelling, "Be a man! Just be a man! Just be no, a man!" Just, no, no. But right. like becoming a man was right. one of the most yeah. difficult things that ever happened in my life. Same. Like it was, I'm still trying it was, to become a man. Yeah, yeah. it was like years. Yeah. In, I mean, yeah. yeah, in some ways I'm still trying to become a better man. Yes. And right. I'm not like just saying I'm already a man. I'm just trying to become a better Nick. No, I'm literally trying to be better at being masculine. Being, yes. Right. Like right now. Right. It's very, it's a very difficult thing to do. And I don't, yeah, right. Like you said, it's not the answer to this is how should, how should like, what does it mean to be a man? It's just like, Oh, we'll be, just be a man. No, I think like, like I think part of what we said is like learning how to engage like, with the emotional like I think the most important thing for me personally was learning that I have emotions as mm-hmm. a man and that seemed way too feminine for me I, I, like right. a whoa like no women but have women emotions. don't want men with no emotion exactly because they become uh, they but, be, they make the women the object but it's they true that women don't want men who are too emotional meaning yes, that they can't right. carry their own emotions because yes. what, what women want right. to know is and I asked my wife this one time right. I it was this is years ago yeah because she was she's really a strong woman my wife's yeah. a really strong woman and one of the things I really struggled with was, why do you need my masculinity? Right. 
Because Lexi's not like the kind of feminist. (laughs) My wife's not the kind of feminist that like, she just has all this ideology about men masculinity being bad. But But she's like probably just do it on her own. Lexi literally is the strong woman that every feminine wishes they could be. Yeah. Every feminist wishes they could be. Like she really is that person. Yeah. And I I said like, Alexi, you're, you're, you're very strong emotionally. You're super capable. You get so much stuff done. You could easily provide for yourself and all these things. Um, and sometimes I don't think you want me to lead you right. or any of these sorts of things. Huh. And I don't know where I fit emotionally because, because you're really strong. And I said, right. I've been thinking about this. I said, tell me if this is right. I was like, you want to know that if you ever break down, I won't. Mm-hmm. That like, if you ever get to the point where like you just break down, you're just, you know, you just have you like, can't. like that you're not going to fall. Right. Like I'm going to be right there. Yeah. And right. I'm not going to break. And she's like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And part of it is that's what we, that, I think that's what women want. They they right. want you to be able to be emotional, but they want to know that when when the sky is right. falling, mm-hmm. like when the when the floodwaters are rising right. and it feels overwhelming, mm-hmm. that the man is going to say like I got you. Yeah, and, I got you. Yeah. Grab that oar, pull that line. Right. We're going to make it through yeah. this. Right, right. Right? And, and the man is just as afraid as she is. Um, yeah, and like and he, he doesn't want her to break right. either. Yeah. But if she does, yeah. In the moment when she does, he will not. Yeah. Right. And so that's what it, that's how you that's what it means to try to. But be, you don't the way to achieve that is not to not have emotions. Right. You and have it, to have no. a robust emotional life to be that strong. Because part of carrying the woman when she breaks down is carrying her emotionally. And right. And like making sure that she's cared for emotionally and like asking this. Like I, I right, don't like know. What woman wants. So like if the way. So right. if if it's a one in 10,000 situation where she needs you to not break down when she breaks down. Right. And the way you achieve that is by being emotionally unavailable. Yeah. All the other moments of your life together. That's not a good trade off. for her. No. Right. Right. Exactly. You have to be emotionally available for her right. in a meaningful, general and masculine way all the time. And why? So that she can trust you when she breaks down that right. you're going to take care of her. Like the, the emotional vulnerability I've realized comes with or trust comes with emotional vulnerability with with women. There's a lot of men who won't be vulnerable with their wives at all emotionally. And mm-hmm. then their wives don't trust them because they don't know what's going through their head. Right. And that's it. Right. And, and think about this. If you're a woman and you're like, what if I believe that I'm going to that I want a man I can follow? Yeah. Man, I'm going to follow him like a puppy dog. I'll be his as Like like right. we're we're going to be this yeah. team. But like I'm going to in some ways follow him. Well, who do you want to follow? Well, the answer is the person who can lead themselves. Right. right. Look, if a man can't lead himself. Right. Get himself to do the right thing. Get himself right. to stand up at the right moments. Get himself to deal with problems. And he's not going to do it with the family. Then why would you want to follow him? He, he can't right. even follow himself. Right. Exactly. There's not enough of him there right. to follow. Yeah. And I think that that's one. So that we have a lot of guys now who struggle with like they're addicted to porn and they don't yeah. know what to do with a career and yeah. they're struggling building their own life. Right. And so that's very unattractive to a woman mm-hmm. who, even if she's like a quote feminist, right. she still is sort of like instinctively on a deep level mm-hmm. knows she wants to, she wants a man worth following. Yeah. Even if she doesn't think of herself as I'm going to follow him. Yeah. She still wants a man worth following. One way sociologists say this is that, um, no woman really likes to marry their inferior. Yeah. Right. right. And we spend a, we invest a lot in women. Now mm-hmm. we maximize their IQ like women in the 1950s and 1940s right. and thirties when they weren't expected to go to college. They didn't necessarily do as much schooling as men. They often lived rural. We weren't maximizing women's I think more IQs. women graduate from, from the universities now than men. Like, Oh by, yeah. By fa- oh, it's by like, Oh, it's margin. like in yeah. some cases it's like 69 to 30. Like yeah, there, right. there are places where like women just it's two to more than two to one. Yeah. But like, if you go back to like earlier American society, yeah. we, we didn't invest intellectually in women as much. Well, that intellectual investment maximizes people's iq 
Yes. So right. all all these women in America are smarter than you mean, it does, and mean, so are the men. So are the men by maximizing that like growing. You can't build somebody. You, you can increase people's IQ like about ten percent. So like for example, um, the first children in families, um, they have about ten IQ points higher than second, third, and fourth children. And most people believe it's not that there's genetic deterioration in the successive children, but that it's, um, but that you, you got two adults focusing on one kid yeah. for the first child. The and that actually increasing yes. their, I mean, think about this in America between racial groups, there are divisions of as much as 15 to 20 IQ points, right? Really? Yeah. And so, because like, and, some, if, yes. and if that okay. can't be changed, then there really are differences yeah. between the races that are racial, like racism is correct. Right, but but I bet you if we if if the, I mean like like I guess like probably for the black community, it's harder because a lot of the fathers aren't in the home, and so right, and a lot of that IQ differentiation is like in the first five years of development. Exactly. Right. So so that can that has nothing to do with race though. It has to do with getting right. fathers back right. in You're the arguing, home, taking care of the yeah. Right. So so there yeah. there's so IQ elasticity is not a hundred percent. Right. It's like ten or twelve percent. Right. But the difference between ten points of IQ is you can go to college and you can't. Yeah. Right. Now, when we as a culture increased how much we educated women. Right. Um, women got got smarter. Right. Because yeah. we, we all humans got smarter when we nourished them better. Right. And we focus more on the development. But here's the thing. As women got smarter, no woman wants to marry her inferior. Right. And then men. So j- now like, the average right. male is, it is, a little bit, to, is dumber, I guess. I mean, he's, well, no, the average male is smarter, too, but she's still looking for somebody. And so when that's men smarter than her. And so the man is, is still the same. Well, and, IQ is just one way she doesn't want to marry her inferior, but yes. she just doesn't want to marry her inferior. Yeah. So like now a lot of college educated women have to marry non college educated men. Yeah. But those men can still be her equal if yeah. they like have real skills, if they know how to yeah. be a man, if they know how to make decisions. Boom. If, You're describing my, my relationship. <laughs> I'm not a college educated man. Right. That's interesting. Like that's. But that's, you're trying to do something in the world. Yes, you're going out and you're right. fighting and you're trying to make a future, right? Yeah. And so um, men have to do that. And it's, it is a little bit harder yeah. now yeah. because women are awesomer. Right. Which is great. Right. Like, and that's partly the product it, it, of feminism. The, the standards kind of just like all raise. Right. Like, because it, we, we just invest up. in humans more right. than we used to. But I think that. The, it's partly because we have such fewer children. Right. And like when you had seven about, kids, you didn't maximize everybody's IQ. Now, when you have two, oh, right. we're you like can, all fastidious over yeah, every kid. Right. And it's probably not good for the kids, too, because then there's a bunch of. Like, I don't think it's good for their level of insecurity. It's good yes, for their IQ, right. but yeah. it's not good for their. Well, this is why the millennial generation is the most highly. Most anxious. Yeah. Well, the, well, but they're, they're the they're the the most productive in the workplace. And they're also the most anxious, depressed and suicidal. Like they're extremely productive in the workplace because a lot of them are like single kids to like they're probably very uh like intellectually like they're they're probably and bought into intellectually and work is their life but then they weren't emotionally bought into they, they but that's interesting because in the surveys gen millennials say both they also say they don't want work to be their life but they're the and i've noticed that i've noticed that in my millennials that they work their 40 hours and then they go home and they're not really a lot of them yeah is i i i've seen nicole's a great example this nicole kyle She's, but she's, Nicole's she's incredibly like productive, a unique, but Nicole but is also could, brilliant. Yeah. She could run a, I was going to just say she could run like a, a full business. Like, Oh, no question. She, she could. No, no. Nicole is making less than a third of the salary she's worth in the marketplace. Nicole, the, she, I mean, she, I would hire her no matter what I was doing. If I was, if I was yes. trying to beat the Russians, I would hire her. That's what like, I was saying about like, it, what, I want to build Optiv into a media company. Mm-hmm. I'm stealing 
Nicole from you. So I'm just going to say that right now. Like, <laughs> like if Optiv becomes an influential enough media company yeah. and influences the hearts and minds of people, it would be the right use of her talents. And this I mean, that, that's yeah. that's just the way I am. Like, we, yeah. we need to deploy people the best way we can. Well, and and that's I, my staff thing. is too is really good right now. Like, I'll I will lose somebody good. at some point. Yeah. yeah, my staff team right now is just fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, you just, gotta, I mean everybody's good. Yeah, and I've okay. never seen that at a church this size before. Yeah, and and they don't get paid. Uh, they don't get like I, everybody I get, is making less than their than market they should value, be, including me. I mean, I'm yeah. worth three times what I get paid here. Yeah, but really, it, it just is what it is. Oh yeah, I, I don't, I've I don't had, disagree. With I, I have that, had yeah. guy friends that make that kind of money, and they're like, "Oh Nick, they're like, yeah. you're they're like some most of them will just say you're smarter than me. You could totally." Do make more than oh, me, but yeah. a lot of them are just like, like I know, I know what jobs pay this kind of money, and you could easily do them. Yeah. So interesting. I, and if I was yeah. a lawyer, I could make a lot of money. Yeah, that's true. Did you ever want to be I, a lawyer? Yeah. yeah, yeah. If I had like seven lives to live, I would try to be a pilot for one of them and a lawyer for one of them. But NBA. Basketball yeah, player. but I am. I've been assured by a lot of lawyers that's actually a pretty boring profession. Yeah, well, it's just. But a being lot a of pastor is a much more tedious profession than I was hoping. Yeah. Because I mostly wanted to read, learn, and. Teach. You probably could wanted to like. I mean, I guess based off that, maybe like a professor. Right. That's yeah. My, yeah if you, my personality is a professorial personality. Uh, yeah. Well, I, the, the interesting thing I was going to say about Nicole and about the uh, Myers Briggs, like ENTJ, which mm-hmm. I think is what me and Nicole both are. Yeah. They, and, they, and and people suspect Hitler. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I yeah. Uh, and so and they, maybe Alexander the Great. You know, like Alexander the right and um yeah. So th- those people like when you look at it statistically, they they make like. I think like ten thousand dollars on average yearly more than everybody else. Like ENTJs. Yeah, I would expect. And that. And, and it's and they make more than anybody else, and it's like very, I mean, extroverts will ask for more money. Yeah. And right. Right. T's are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I can see how that. And works. you're the INTJ, right? Oh, man, I keep getting different. Yeah, I things. Know that's what yeah. you say but, every time. Yeah. So yeah. INT. So my wife would tell you I'm a P actually, which drives me crazy. But she's like, she's like, in certain situations, like you're always reopening the question. And I think uh-huh. I found that that's actually, a, I, I think that's when I get insecure though. I think when I'm insecure, I become a P. A, a, per, 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 a perceived, like that's what per, yeah, like you keep you, you keep like opening up. You look for more options. You keep yes. opening up. The, instead of saying, this is the thing we should do, oh. Jay, judging. Some of those people make me mad. The people who are like, yeah. there's more options. And I'm oh, like, yeah. Well, I, if we they drive me crazy. And think sometimes about all I the options. Them. It's like. Right. We don't have to, we have no time here. Like that's we need what to do something. This is what it's been right. like preparing for a wedding. I just want to say this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Everybody wants to tell you all the options. And I'm like, there, there to me, there's and and Andrew's recently, mm-hmm. like, this is how we're going to do it. We yeah. don't need all these other options. I want options. beef. Yes. And space. I'm going to get, <laughs> yes. And that's what I'm going to get. And I want this woman to be there. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And we're done. And we're done. Yeah. And boom. Done. So it's, yeah. it's interesting. Um, back to the men being men. Right. Um, I think I think we're pretty far into this one. Into the church, in the church particularly. In the church particularly. I, so yeah. so I think that like start young. Right. Focus on male mentoring. Right. Provide a theology of masculinity and femininity. Yeah. That is not boorish, sexist, but like is rich. Yeah. And then the last thing I would say is this, and this is I don't know if this is the most controversial thing I'll say is make fifty-five to sixty-two percent of your church focused on men. I thought you were gonna say over emphasize to sixty two thousand dollars a year. <laughs> no, over over focus yeah. on men. Like when you write your sermon, yes. use a little bit more yeah. of your illustrations, a little bit more of your 
on masculine tropes right. and then don't fall into the feminizing of the church because the problem is the church has more women than men. Well, this is, so what preachers yeah. do is that they want to pacify those women right? and they want those women to like it. So they'll put in, they'll make the sermon more feminine oriented and you don't want to do that. You don't do the opposite. I was debating with you Tom. You preach to men. Tom's been on this podcast. I've been, do, I debated with him about like not just outside of the podcast. We, we were talking about gender roles in the church mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, all the egalitarian generals and what about Priscilla? What about, that's like the only thing that they ever bring up. Cause that's all they got. And so, yeah, and she's never mentioned apart from her husband, but she's mentioned first. And she's mentioned in a narrative. Like she's not right. mentioned in an epistle that this, that's not an instruction. It's just, this is what happened. Like right. there's, a she's difference. never referred to it as an officer of the church. Anyway. Right. She's not an elder. Yeah. And so me and me and Tom are in about this, but I say, Tom, what, like, okay. So when you're done being a pastor, would you let a woman, take your place. And he's like, no, I would never let a woman take my place as, as a head pastor. I would only let men be the head head pastor. And I was like, well, why is that? And he was like, because men, because if, I, if you have a man as a head pastor, a woman as a head pastor, they will drive in more women and women don't bring the whole family. But if you have a man as a head pastor, they drive in the men and, and the men bring the entire family. So you're mm-hmm. going to get more people in the door with a, a man as a head pastor. And I was like, I was like, doesn't that? And why is that? Yeah, why is that? It's it's like, but it was interesting that right because his that's really interesting because I think that that. So if Tom was here, the way I would debate that I would say is, Tom, you are pragmatically saying something you don't believe philosophically, so you're wrong one of those ways. Let's do a debate. So if pragmatically you're correct about that, then you're also philosophically wrong. Right. And egalitarianism is false. We'll do it. Part of it too is is that you can't distinguish in the New Testament between elders and lead pastor. There's no such distinction in the Bible. Because it's the same word. Elders, elders, yeah. and overseers are the same thing. Yeah. So right. if you, the head pastor, has to be a man, then all the elders. Then have to all be the men. elders have to be a man. Like right. it's, they're not they're they're undis- indistinguishable. You You're, have a plurality of right. elders. Well, we there is do, no senior pastor in the Bible. Let's do a debate. Let's do another debate between you and yeah. Tom. Well, yeah, I guess I don't know if you want. I don't. Yeah, Tom and I agree on so much. I hate to always just only come on about the things we disagree. What on. do you want? I mean, we can do it and agree. Th- th- those are basically our three disagreements: our, our uh, Yaltanism, hell, uh, hell <laughs> and. Um, what was it? The charismatic church, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but we don't disagree much on that. Right. It's just about the, it's more about like the nuance of, yeah. can you be filled? Is it one new filling or is it like 30? Yeah. So when I preach to, yeah. when I preach, yeah. um, I, the way I think about it is this 30% of my illustrative material is, fo- is, is meant to please men. Yeah. It is meant to point at masculinity about 55%. I think it leaves me 15%, right? So, so 15% is, yeah. is focused on women. Yeah. 30% on men. And then the middle is for either one. Anybody yeah. can connect with it. Yeah. Okay. It's not gender specific. No, gender neutral. Yeah. And the yeah. reason I do, and I try to be masculine and I don't, I don't do any of the tropes where right. it's like, well, women are good and men are bad. I yeah. don't do any of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when right. I tell stories, sometimes the women are the hero and sometimes right. men are the hero. Yeah. Sometimes the woman's being stupid and the man's yes. being wise. And sometimes yeah. the man is being wise, the right. woman or stupid and the man's being, yeah. wise, the woman's being wise. Even in like the jokes that you, you say. In all right. And when I tell stories about my marriage, right. Um, Two, two out of three stories, Alexi's the hero probably. Yes. Right. And one out of three stories, I'm the hero. Right. Because I don't want to fall in this trope where like f- women are always right. And that women like, always get it. Women that, always understand. The one no, where women the are hero, often stupid. The one where you're the hero is like the one after Christmas that nobody comes to, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I want people to hear stories yeah. where the man is right. Yeah. Where the woman gets off for some reason. Yeah. And the male character is right. And I want him right. the other way. Because what happens is too often the woman is always the one who's the voice of wisdom yeah, and the man's stupid. And so like every sermon is an episode right. of like modern family right. where the woman is this like competent, smart, like whatever. And yeah. the, the guy's the just, guy's just idiot. an idiot. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just in that, like it's not encouraging. It's not encouraging for men. It's, it's, it's almost like this is right. like a self-fulfilled prophecy where you're just right. like, if you, if you flatter women in your preaching, 
you won't build the kind of men they want to be married to. Exactly. So yeah. women are going to have to decide which trade-off they women want. Are gonna be Do they want the men kind of church yeah. that focuses on men and helps right. their men become the men they want to be married to? Yeah. Or do they want to be flattered and so masculinely not empowered yeah. so that their husbands aren't the kind of men they wish they were? Right. And what I found is a lot of women will buy, will take that trait. They'll say, right. look, Nick, I, we have we can do whatever we want with women's ministry. Yeah. I know on Sunday morning you could focus a little bit more on men. Uh, like I've had a lot of women say to me, this is the only church my husband will go to. Yeah. Because you preach in a way that he can connect with. Right. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. And, and she's like, and I don't like you as much as our last pastor, but my husband is different. Yeah. And because of that, my children are different. And our right. marriage is different. Right. And I don't care. You can be like a pink elephant grunting. Right. Yeah. And I would take that over, over anything else. Yeah. Because what I want is my yeah. husband, my family, my relationship, right. my life to go better. Yeah. Not for you to flatter me. Right. And as it's a woman. like, that's kind of what I think about. Like the pastors are like wearing skinny jeans up there. And like, like that's, that's another way, you know, that's mm-hmm. like to con- the connection. But I think, yeah. Okay. But then, but then there's like, I, somebody sent me the video of this, like, like more fundamentalist pastor who was making fun of skinny jeans from the stage and calling those young men, like the, the gay F word. And he like, called, he called, he said that on stage. Yeah. He said the word faggot really about like young men wearing like, Clothes you can't carry a weapon in, basically. Absolutely. Like, and I, I, was, I and get I'm where like, he's coming from, but like... And yeah, I'm yeah. like, yes, I do believe that those ways of dressing are really are effeminate in yes. by nature yeah. in a way that I don't know that is good. But, but, he but, said, like, but that's oh, crazy. To, yeah, you should never... I can't that. tell you how many men have been hurt in the church, especially especially men who are same-sex attractive, yeah. um, by that kind of talk. Really? And so, like... But but that's where, where being a man... Wow is partly embracing a certain kind of leadership among those men. There's an increased responsibility of leadership, especially in discerning, like hitting it right. Right. Not too much this way, not too much that way with the Greeks called sophrosinate, like a proper balance. Yeah. What Christians call the the virtue of prudence. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like men and women both need a lot of prudence, but men need it. The more you lead, the more you need it, man or woman. So I want to give one last, the final question is how like this, Cause it's like, we kind of get, you gave steps for what men should do. You know, there's like four or five things that men should do to start to get into this, a different mindset than what the culture is telling them about masculinity. Women, how should women interact with, and I know we talked a lot about how women should talk to women, like, but what are some things that young women and women all across the board can do to encourage like biblical masculinity, also not giving up their femininity and like all these things. I mean, we're going to do another podcast probably next uh, about what does it mean to be a, a female? Like we're not just doing what does it mean to be a male? Like there's going to be yeah. another one that's what does it mean to be a female? So yeah, we should have Nicole on for that or something yeah, too. Right. Totally. Um, yeah, I, we're going to have Nick, Nick and me talk about what does I it f- yeah, I feel yeah. like, I feel like I've said, I feel like you've said, and I've said some things that women could, could use to look at themselves. I think one of the things that I, I've talked with some leaders in a, within a particular ethnic group about what appears to be a combative relationship between men and women in, yeah. within their ethnicity in the culture right now. And I think that that's happening across the board. I think that's happening with people where younger men and younger women, because this, because the norms have kind of broken down. Yeah. There's a lot of promiscuity and therefore abandonment. There's a lot of a la carte nature to the, to yeah. a romantic relationship rather than a comprehensive relationship, all that mm-hmm. it leads to a, a combative, a fundamentally competitive and combative relationship yeah. in romance. So women are competing with each other. Men mm-hmm. are competing with each other, but they're also competing against each other. Women are competing against men. Yeah. Cause women are wanting what men don't want to give and men want what women don't want to give. Right. And it, what it does is, is that women are no longer than a position to empower masculinity right. through appreciation. 
to say right. thank you for opening that door for me or hey guys thanks so much for setting up this room for us or like all the ways in which men choose to be men instead of and then like women, I could have opened the door up or right I could have and then the women room. appreciating yeah. them for doing that yeah hey guys thanks for coming early and setting all this up for us because right. like a lot of, you know a lot of the volunteers that like set up chairs or set up all the wires for music right. or whatever like that a lot of times that stuff is men 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 yeah. Men prefer working with things, with things women more than people. people. Yeah. And, and it's not like it's just like that's all there is to it. But men just more often prefer they want to do the tinkering right. and women more, more Probably often rather prefer than being relating. like readers or whatever at the door. I, maybe there's right. a lot of men. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, our greeter teams always have more women yeah. and our like moving wires around teams always have, have more, more men. men. Yes. Right. And I don't I'm not trying to make those equal. Yeah. Like I'm not on an equality campaign. I just yeah. think that's just a preference. That's just how it is. Yeah. But I think one of the things women can oh, do, I think both, okay, I think both men and women have to appreciate each other more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And have a culture of edification mm-hmm. and appreciation and encouragement and affirmation. And I think men can do that. I think men can affirm right. women in feminine things that they do. And w- women can affirm men. I think, yeah. I think affirmation should be broad, like not sex based. Right. But I do think that, sanctification is connected to masculinity and femininity and where that happens, you want to appreciate it. Yeah. And so, and I think that can happen in romantic relationships before marriage where a woman can affirm everything that the man does. Like when he does something that is positively masculine, yeah. Say, I like that because part of it is the way feminism has, has made people start to assume things is even if a woman says, yeah, I go to this complimentary church. I believe in complimentarianism. They still assume you're a feminist and you don't want to be led. Right. And so you have to, encourage them to leave you. Yeah. I want to be led. Right. And I, I want to have my own mind. I want to tell you what I think. I right. want you to be responsive to me. I don't want you to domineer me, right. but I also don't want to be in charge of everything. I don't want to be responsible for what I shouldn't have to be responsible for. Yeah. And I want you to lead and I'm, I'm going to support you and I'm going to praise you right. and appreciate you when you're the hero. And like men, I, or I think like women, like when, when you open the door for the woman and sometimes like now it's become this, this like sexist thing. Like, Oh, I can't open the door. I think that women should try to have like, think the best of men like i'm not opening the door for you because i don't think that you can do it like, i know that you yeah. have the ability you probably open doors and cars your whole life i know yeah. that you can do that i'm doing it because i want to make it easier on you and i want you to get out and i want to show you that i like am trying to be a gentleman you're, val- you're valued to whatever <laughs> capacity that i can do that and so i found it, it uh difficult like well andrew will make me like dinner and mm-hmm. i'll feel really weird about it because mm-hmm. i'll be like i should be helping and then i try to help and i like get in the way because i don't know how to make dinner if it's not mac and cheese right so um i think like i think it can turn so you yeah so at some point you need to say this is incredible yes she's can't just get doing food a like great this at a restaurant job. right exactly yeah. and, and then, then after you finish eating can i help you clean it put up. all this stuff away yeah. yeah yeah and so it's like that's what's been difficult because i think i've grown up in the hyper feminist culture where it's like i'm sitting here and i'm like this is not natural for me to be like one like like in my head, I'm like, okay, does she think that I'm just some sort of like a hole who just thinks I deserve to get dinner from her? Because I don't think that, and I can help out with this. But then I'm like, hey, can I help? She's like, I want to make dinner for you. Mm-hmm. Like, sit down and get, and you just let me serve you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it makes me feel weird. And I think that that is something that happens with a lot of men too. It's like, yeah. I don't, oh, I, I feel by weird showing about this. by showing a pre- real appreciation, right? You can demonstrate to anybody who's serving you. Yeah. That a you appreciate them. Yeah. And two, you don't feel entitled to it. That's why you're thanking them. Right. Right. Yeah. So like, I, Lexi does the vast majority of the laundry in her house. Yeah. And so I need to keep remembering to thank her. Yeah. Both to remind myself she doesn't have to do this. Right. And two, that to to make yeah. her glad to be appreciated. Right. And people like She's not I'm, gonna keep my wife has said to me a number of times in our marriage, Nick, you have no idea how much your words affect me. Because yeah. Lexi's such a strong person, yeah. I think that she's impervious even to my words. Yeah, yeah. and she's like, "No, I I love you. Yeah, and so what you say matters so much to me. 
So even mm. when you say nothing, it, it affects it matters. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've had to take in mind like, okay, so I should, I need to just constantly praise. Just say thank you for everything. Yeah. And like, be right. like, oh, yeah. And be, and oh like, yeah. And cause like I've taught myself as yeah. a man, partly because of the hurts in my life. Right. I don't need anything from anybody. Absolutely. Because yeah. what I got from a lot of people in my pre-pubescent years yeah. was hurt. Because yes. the yeah. men around me were competing so vigorously for right. status. They were willing they to kept stab putting you a me couple down. times. Yeah. Right. On their way up the, the, the hill or whatever. Right. They're gonna, and yeah. because of that, I had to yeah. decide I don't really actually need anything from anybody. Right. I can survive all by myself, yeah. all on my own. And so what that means is that I, sh- I shouldn't need my wife to say anything nice to me. Right. And therefore, if she does, right. I just should like pass it off. Because yeah. I don't want to act like I need it. And the Bible says that. The, and that's a terrible way to live. Right. The women is, is the weaker vessel. And you don't like not in not in a, a negative way, but like you treat that like with gentleness rather than with like harshness, harshness. Yeah. You're not going to like you're not going to get a box that's uh, that, you know, from the mail that says like like there's fragile stuff in here. You're not going to like shake it around. And see, like, is there anything like you're not going to do that. It's going to break it. And so I think it's. Obviously, I'm now I'm comparing a woman to a box with a fragile. But what I'm trying to say yeah. is, there's like a gentleness. Right, to weaker saying, vessel doesn't mean fragile. It, it doesn't does, mean doesn't mean primarily fragile. What it means yeah. is it's designated for a use that's specific. Right, and you're if you treat it roughly, you'll ruin it. But in some ways, like that, where it's like it, what what you say, like what I'm saying is like if I'm consistently saying thank you and appreciating what she's doing, if I don't do that, then I'm not dealing with I'm not. Dealing with this as in a in a kind way, in a way that's going to like protect this woman, and if I and like she's going to start to resent me sub, subconsciously because I'm not appreciating who she is and what she's right. Doing. And a lot of women and men are both afraid to specifically explore their masculinity and femininity. Um, yeah. If you're a man, it's perfectly culturally yeah. acceptable for you to explore your femininity. Right. And if you're a woman, it's perfectly culturally acceptable for you to explore your masculinity. Right. But it's not, the reverse is not. Yeah. And, but when you're with somebody exclusively and preferably in marriage, but like even in a serious, like courting or dating relationship, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, whenever the person explores or does something that is um, coherent with them exploring their, their, their identity. Yeah then affirming that is good because right. if a, let's, if you're dating a woman, obviously, right? So like if Andrea does something that is inherently feminine by nature, right. she's embracing that right. and trying to explore it and embody it. Yeah. When you say, that's so great. Yeah. Like, I really enjoy this. Yeah. Thanks so much for doing yeah. it. Right. Even if the whole culture tells her not to do it, right. if the man she cares about then she's does, gonna, she'll do it. Yeah. Right. And same thing the other way. If a woman, if a man is exploring his masculinity in a positive way yeah, and the culture is like, no, you can't do this. Right. But his woman says, right. I love this. It, then he's going to just start gonna to do, do it. it. Yeah. Cause he, oh, yeah. who cares what the rest of the culture says? This right. is the person I want to be, I want yeah. her to say my hero. Right. Like I, the whole world can burn itself yeah. up in a great conflagration. Right. If my woman says my hero, that's all that matters. Right. Exactly. And that's true for a masculine heart. And yeah. I think, huh. I think that if a man loves and cherishes his wife, yeah. especially as she's an individual person embodied in her femininity, right. then the whole world can burn to ashes. She doesn't care. Right. Like she's a cherished woman. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And the Bible says it's the one most, one of the seven most unnatural things in the world is a woman who is married and unloved. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, which but, is what you have. Yeah. It's become normal. Yeah. One Bible study I think you should do, like if you're dating somebody or if you're trying to figure out your masculine, masculine femininity, yeah. a lot of women are really averse to reading Proverbs 31 because that woman seems impossible to live up to. Yeah. But go back to the beginning of what's called the sayings of Agur, which starts in chapter 30, I think it is. And there is a section on the noble prince. Mm-hmm. And it is about masculinity. Yeah. And then you get Proverbs 31 yeah. about femininity. And then you get a section on mas- on like 
the natural way of things mm-hmm. kind of between the two. Yeah. And that as its own Bible study is helpful because right. if you see the prince as model masculinity, yeah. you see like he talks about like not being drunk, but like taking up your responsibility and being noble and all those yeah. kinds of things. And if a man lives up to that and a woman sees the diversity of the role in Proverbs 31 and she, maybe she doesn't live up to everything that woman does. But at least she's trying. But she understands the yeah. ethos, like the warp and woof of the thing, yeah. the, the style and the texture right. of what that woman is. She's an empowered woman. Yeah. but she's also a responsive and feminine woman at the same right. time. Then, um, I mean, if you're a woman, you can't have it both ways. You can't say you want a power, you want a yeah. vision of a powerful woman. And then the Bible gives you one. And then you say, this is stupid. I can't live up to this. Or like, it's <laughs> a different, I guess it's like you're, again, you're just looking at power in one way. Right. Like power isn't just the, mo- the, the man or the woman who has the most money and has the most influence. Like, like if that was the case, then Jesus wouldn't have been powerful. Like Jesus mm-hmm. didn't have the most money or the most influence. And yet he the was most the most or the most. Yeah. He was the most powerful ever. ever. So it right. seems like, like meekness. There's that, the, uh, the sermon about like meekness and like having power and knowing when to wield it or when, when to use your power yeah. is what Christianity, that's what this is all about. Yeah, I agree. And so I do think one of the things that we probably should emphasize is, that although Jesus is perfect humanity and women can learn an enormous amount from him. Yeah. Right. He's also perfect masculinity because he had to be born as a man or a woman. Right. And I think you can look at Jesus as a example of perfect masculinity. And I think that that's important because I think if you just yeah. look to the apostle Paul, for example, who's the, who wrote the most in the, who the, New if you take out Jesus, the most is his writings in the new Testament. Um, Paul had a kind of aggressiveness to him. Yeah. I think was part of his, his, his temperament. Yeah. I don't think that is necessarily universally masculine. I think it is masculine. It's a good way to embody masculinity, but I don't think it's universal masculinity. Yeah. And I think you should temper that with your vision of Jesus who was yeah. incredibly strong, but not boorish yeah. and not violent and, and not. Well, I think that's why I think it would be interesting to read some of the other writings of the other apostles, like that aren't in the Bible. Like, let's see, like we know how James and John and Peter and Paul interact with, with some of these things, obviously not, as, not mm-hmm. probably to all of how they interact with it. What about like Thomas and Andrew and some of these other guys you don't know about? It would be yeah. interesting to see. It'd be great if they had writings, but there just aren't writings. Right. Exactly. And I, I always wondered like, what did they do? Like what were their, like, obviously you kind of know where they went. Like some, they have beliefs of where they went and how they were killed, but it would be interesting to see how these dudes, cause then that like the gospel of Thomas came out or mm-hmm. whatever, like 500 years after Jesus. Yeah. Probably but, two, but, but yeah. Or 200 years. And, and obviously it wasn't actually written by Thomas. It was just like no. a way to make money because we were going to use Jesus. Well, it was a way to spread heresy. To spread was, heresy. Yeah. yeah. And so I always thought that would be interesting because we do get only, a lot of people are just like, well, Paul's just like, that's yeah, how but the gospel of Thomas is actually sexist. I mean, like it talks about like, there's a point at the end of the gospel of Thomas where um, Jesus says to Mary, because she's been so faithful that he will ultimately turn her into a man. Really? And that's, I mean, that's not really the vision of glorification that yeah. the Lord really taught. Right. There's, that's yeah. You, you know, and and so <laughs> that's you shouldn't have said that because the progressives are going to jump all over. They're going to add that to their to their Bible. You know, they're going to add the Gospel of Thomas. No, but they, but it's totally against everything they believe in. Like, I know. The, well, the, 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 but, but it's for transgender. The, 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 like thing, the things about <laughs> the things about women that the progressive heart should really love are actually in the real Bible. Yeah. I mean, they're the Bible oh, yeah, absolutely right. teaches that men and women are equal, and that yes. men and women have equal value, and that they. Uh, yes. But it also teaches that they they're meant to need each other in a certain kind yes, of way. Right. Um, even though singleness has like a lot of dignity, yeah. but that normativity yeah. in normativity that we men and women should find each other and create a, a relationship of a certain kind of companionship. Right. And that is outlined in Genesis two and Absolutely. then throughout the Bible under the curse. Yeah. So 
Anyway, so let me end with this. I do think churches constructed themselves yeah. to disciple men well. Yeah. I think it includes starting young. Yeah. Intergenerational discipleship, right. a comprehensive view of masculinity and femininity being explicitly taught and specifically from the Bible, but yeah. also sociologically formed. Mm-hmm. And third, preaching more to men than women or like mm-hmm. in your public stuff, yeah. dignifying masculinity at least right. as much as femininity. And so yeah. men know that. Right. I think that draws men in and women end up being profoundly thanked for it. Yeah. Some of them will get annoyed and go to progressive churches. Yeah. But um, a lot of them will be like, oh, no, this is good for me. Well, right. Whether and I'm single or married. Yeah. And older men, uh, two younger men, it's like you don't just need to be discipled or mentored by like Nick or, or like past. Like I know mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. It's like people, especially at High Point, it's like I listen to Nick's podcast and I like that's all great. And you just need is, a dude who can work a family and can love his wife. And there's guys yeah. at High Point and at churches all over the country who know just as much as, as you do or they're, they've are they gone through life experiences probably more so than you have who could help people with like, like the idea that the pastor is the only person that you can listen to about anything right. is so dumb. It's like if the pastor's doing his job, right. then the rest of the congregation should be right. And don't look, it don't to. look for a man to learn masculinity from who's like the most boisterous, loudest guy. Right. Look for the man who is leading the most beautiful garden. Yeah. Like, look for a man whose the life around him seems to be flourishing with health. Yeah. And look at the woman in his life. Is she flourishing? Yeah. Is she happy? Right. Does she look like a woman who's loved? Yeah. Do his kids have like a posture of nervousness yeah. and anxiety? Right. Or do his kids seem like well-adjusted? Do right. their shoulders hang like, you know, like they're at, they're at peace? And do they seem like they're developing in a healthy way? Right. Look for the guy who leads that family. Yeah. And then figure out what he's doing. Right. Because if you go for the loudest, most boisterous guy, that could be a guy that has all kinds of traumas, all kinds of hurts Absolutely. he hasn't dealt with, yeah. who's like projecting his masculinity in a way that's super unhealthy. Yeah. And then you're going to copy him? Like, mm-hmm. no, that's not going to work. Right. I agree 100%. Okay, well, we're I think we're literally over two hours in this podcast. There's yeah. so much to talk about sexuality that you yeah, can you go for five hours. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we need to work on more disciplined outlines. But the problem is, is that like I think all that these this, things, no, this free form, all I'm these things you. work together. I do think at some point discussing uh, what the most offensive passages on the Bible relative to women mean about femininity, yeah. i.e. I. First Timothy chapter two and the reference yes. to childbearing and yes. the verse you talked yeah. about, about the weaker vessel. Yeah. What those mean relative to the dignity of women. Yes. Rather than yeah. the indignity of being right. a woman. Right. I think the childbearing this, one can be confusing for women who are in, like not fertile, who, who can't have. Who are not fertile or for women who have been taught that everything about their femininity is important except for the fact that they can make that human can beings. Make, yes, right. Which is the most incredible thing. Yes. Like, it, it's unbelievably incredible that yep. a human woman can do that. Yeah. And when that isn't any part of your view of what you yeah. are, right. then to say that's super important You're is like, kind of like, wh- like this wh- is, what are you, like trying to reduce me to a incubator? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and I also want to say that, like, the freeform this is what people are doing now. So like, I know that you like a more structured outline, but yeah. people like it. What I would like, I would, I do want to go through, there's a book called taking gender, taking sex differences seriously by Stephen Rhodes. Yeah. It's a little bit older book now, but it, it like is pretty exhaustive survey of the differences between men and women and all the sociological data, yeah. which is really, really, really helpful because, right. um, and none of that research is being done anymore. Yeah. And I think when people get a sense of like what the facts are, because the biggest thing that's killing us is, ideology over teleology right. like if you're a younger person listening to this here's what you need to understand as a christian you have your teleology has to be more important than right. your ideology like well, the what the way god actually has designed the nature of the world teleology yeah. is more important than what you think ought to be right and yeah. fair right you have to start with what is right and then work what is to how what is is supposed right. to flourish right. which will be right and fair and right. just yeah and the problem with certain forms of 
ideologies to certain ideologies is they don't have their teleology right they don't understand the nature of things right and they want to just say well men and women should be equal well that means they should be the same in every way that well, means there should be yeah. ultimate equity and measurement like, and well, that is a ridiculous juvenile way to think about and the it world. doesn't work right from the get-go when it doesn't I look work at a woman anyway. she, she's got boobs it, and i don't so right. that's a it will ruin your marriage and your right. country yeah. And so learning to become mature enough intellectually yeah. to start with the nature of things, to get human nature yeah. right, the nature of gender right, the nature of God's creation right, mm -hmm. which the Bible will tell you right. if you're willing to listen, and then say, mm -hmm. how can we make this fair? How yeah. can we make this equitable in ways that are good so that men so men and women both know they're getting a, a, a good deal? God, right. God wants marriage to be for the welfare and happiness of all mankind. Yeah. It's supposed to be a good deal for both. But right now we both think we both get a bad deal yeah. and we're making it a worse deal for each other Yeah, right. when it's supposed to be a beautiful harmony. Yeah. Well, and I, and I yes, and we'll, we'll end, but I want to say, cause you talked about the book that you wanted to read or that the book that you wanted to talk about, but I, I think that it'd be cool to do something on, on this podcast of like bonus episodes every couple months of like a book review. So I know I'm yeah. reading the rise and triumph of the modern self yeah. and you're reading it or you're finished. With yeah. It. I'm working on it still. I'm, yeah. It's a dense thing. It's, yeah. yeah. But once that's done, I think we should do a po maybe a podcast yeah. or two on that book. Mm -hmm. And for people listening, go buy it and read it. It's at, it's on Amazon. Like it's like, yeah. I I've liked it. Well, I've, part of the service of a long form podcast on a book like that, is that you and I do the work of reading it yeah. and then they don't have to. Yeah, that's true. That, that's <laughs> but it true. is worthwhile. If you've never read yeah. a Christian cultural analysis book as to what's wrong with right. modern culture relative to considering the plausibility of Christian faith, right. like if you're the kind of person that's just, just like, Christian faith just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It, well, no, it does. Right. You have just been taught enough nonsensical things together right. in a cultural milieu where right. you just feel like it doesn't. Yes, right. In a, in a level of consciousness mm -hmm. that you're not aware of. Mm -hmm. right. And if you read a book like that, then you mm. will, it'll start to deconstruct all the reasons why you think Jesus is implausible. Right. Because of premises and biases that are actually false that you just have bouncing around in your head. Right. And in the culture and in the society and how that's imposed itself on right. you. And that, so it's interesting. But so that you think completely nonsensical statements like a woman is a man. Yes. Is that perfectly was the rational. Whole premise of the book. Right. right. That's the whole premise. Yeah. He like, starts he with like, like, I want to know this why is a this man. Is we a say this is a woman. Yes. How is this sentence comprehensible? Right. And then he how writes did we a, get here? What? 400 page yeah. book on now that we got there. Yeah. And it's very dense, but it's, it's, there's a lot of good stuff in it. So, okay. I think we'll end it on that. Um, we're going to do another one coming up on what does it mean to be a female? It'll be with female. We'll be on it. Uh, we'll be females on that podcast. Yeah. And we'll just be you could beg Alexi to be on there, but she'll probably say no. I, dude, I'm trying to get Alexi to come on one of the podcasts. But. <laughs> she is great when she will come on and she'll actually talk. But she part of her embodiment of her femininity is an appropriate prudential shyness. Yeah. And I just hate to tell her not to, not to explore what she has developed in that way. Yeah. You know, because I'm trying to nurture her. I'm trying to be. I'm not a nurturer by, but part of my work as a woman, man, is to make sure as a woman she can be everything she's meant to be. So you want her to come on the podcast is what I'm hearing. Well, I think the, <laughs> I think the audience would benefit from it. So what I'll do Whether is Whether it's right for her to do it is up to her. I'm going to cut this section out and I'm going to just send it over to <laughs> her. I'm going to text it. Um, okay. <clears throat> make sure you like, subscribe, follow, send this you know, to your friends. And um, yeah, I guess we'll see you guys next time. Bye. See ya.